This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Andrew Patterson, Michael Remus with you. Big win last night as the Jets continue their winning ways and now hit the road on the dad's trip or the dad's and mentor's trip, as they uh, as they put it, um, to San Jose, Anaheim, and Arizona this weekend. Very busy week. Jets playing five and seven and three in four beginning tomorrow night with a couple of late starts out on the West Coast. We're going to get into last night's win over Tampa. A look ahead to the road trip. Murata Tesh is going to jump on, and uh, Murat's taking, uh, getting the business from Bones. That, that's just how fun things are around the Winnipeg Jets. Bones giving it to some of the media afterwards after another big win last night. Really looking forward to having Murat on. And we'll also welcome in J.P. Vijay, former NHLer. Always great to catch up with Vijay. And, you know, we talked to him towards the beginning of the season. Um, we'll have J.P. on and uh, just get his thoughts on uh, how the Jets have done it. How are they playing right now? Where does the credit go? And um, just moving on. How do they continue this into the new year as uh, they started it off with a nice win over the Tampa Bay Lightning last night? Um, so Vijay... Murata Tesh, and then, as promised, we usually do this on the first day of the week, but we had a very busy show yesterday. Connor uh, Rapchak's going to jump in with us. We'll do a little roundtable, a little bit more on the Jets, as well as a look ahead to the final week of the regular season in the National Football League. Um, did just fire up the lock shop again with Jake Bowen Moss. Dusty's away for a couple more uh, days. But for those of you that are joining us live on YouTube at 1, if you are kicking around at noon... Um, on weekdays, jump over to EST and uh, join us in the lock shop as we uh, talk about the games of the evening, hit some lines, make a couple of wagers, and um, hey, it was a good one last night if you got on the Jets. Our WST parlay came so close. We had the win. We had the Nikolai Ehlers goal. We just missed the Josh Morrissey assist, but uh, we move on. Only two games tonight in the National Hockey League, but a big, big slate tomorrow, um, which we will... Uh, discuss as well a little bit later on in the round table along with a little NFL wrap up from the week and a look ahead to a week 18. Listen, just before we bring in Michael Remus, have to thank the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day led by our partners over at cool bet Canada, a uh, little Brown jug, the Winnipeg jets, Boston pizza, Royal sports, F apparel, Wallace and Wallace, Vita health, fresh market sport, Manitoba and Manitoba liquor and lotteries. Canadian Club, Manitoba Battery, and Modern Man Barbershop. And we will get to a why not question of the day for Not Autocorp over at Waverly and McGilvery. Welcome to everybody in chat. What's going on, folks? Hit that thumbs up button if you haven't already. And welcome to you, Michael Remus. Another dub for the home team last night. Man, this team is rolling. Yeah. Wow. Uh, it's incredible what we're seeing. You know, most point or best points percentage. In the Central Division, third best in the entire NHL. And you said, yeah, boys are rolling at home. How about this for their last eight at home, if you've been to a game lately? 7-0-1 with the one overtime loss to Montreal. Second best home record in the NHL, 13-5-2. Wasn't it last year their record at home like wasn't that great? And we're like, what's going on here with the Jets? They can't win at home, but 
And they're winning on the home, win on the road, 2-0 and against Tampa this year. And the streak continues, Huss, uh, 26 straight, letting in three or less. Franchise record, I believe the NHL record is 35 by the Minnesota Wild. And with, you have Connor Hellebuck playing the way he's playing, what, one of the stars of December in the NHL. And you have um, Lauren Brossois filling in nicely as well. Maybe they could make some history. We'll see. But an incredible stretcher for the Jets. And now they hit the road uh, on the mentors trip. Uh, exciting stuff for them. Yeah, no doubt about it. I see Jay Miller, the WST, probably has never hit. What do you mean? What a, the, the last one we did was for the Boston game which was my Christmas present to all of you with Velarde, Shifley, Ehlers, Morrissey, all mm. getting on the score sheet and a Jets win. It was like plus 700. Come on, Jay. Yeah. Oh, After I uh, fired that one up for you all at Christmas, come on. Anyways, we'll hopefully get back in the win column <laughs> with one of these games on the weekend. Uh, listen, Remo, we're going to dive into you know some of these stats, some of the numbers. But the one thing, I saw Mary Jane mention this in chat, and... Honestly, you know what the best part of last night's game was for me? Was the crowd. Um, We knew that there'd be some good crowds around Christmas. I think we knew that that Friday night game against Boston would be well attended. And it should have been the way the team has been playing. Minnesota last Saturday was awesome. I mean, it was a one o'clock game that didn't feel like one of those kind of lazy afternoon games. And certainly the wild between the arrival between the Jets and wild contributed to that, but it was a full barn and um, close to another sellout last night, a great crowd, tons of energy in the building. And I'll be honest, usually that first Tuesday game in the new year in January is a bit more of a challenge. And I wasn't sure what to expect last night. I was a little concerned that we might get back to, you know, some of those earlier crowds. But it's very clear that this fan base, um, for those that were maybe on the fence early on or for whatever reason, you know, weren't at games or had given up their tickets, are back. And the team has absolutely earned their support back. I don't think there's any any question about that. Um, but, you know, as nice it was to see the Jets get another big win and continue pushing for first place in the Central Division. Um, for me personally, uh, and listen, it's about getting, getting wins and it gets about getting scores, but considering the way this season started and the way we were talking on this program after our first WST game in that game against the Kings early on, um, it is just great to see the fans coming back and um, tell you what winning cures a lot. The jets have been winning a lot. And um, here's hoping that um, that will be the norm going forward. When the jets are back at home next week against Columbus to begin a four game homestand. Yeah. Attendance last night, Mike McIntyre tweeting out 14,157 third largest, largest crowd of the season. The only two bigger ones, the past two home games, Minnesota and Boston, we thought it would take a step back. Um, you know, with just being Tuesday night and not exactly what Friday night or, uh, the Saturday night of the other or Saturday afternoon of the other, uh, attendance crowds. But, uh, I think this is a bit higher than maybe you thought going back to the first Tuesday when we went to that Kings game and it was, it was low. And I think people are taking notice. The jets are playing well. Uh, we're not expecting the second half drop off that we saw last season. And people want to go look seven. Look, we just said here seven, one, one. 
in the last eight. You're going to go and uh, see a nice W. And Bone said after the game yesterday, it wasn't exactly a Picasso, but hey, win's a win. You got to celebrate and uh, got to be feeling good heading off to California, Arizona, bring the golf clubs. Perfect time of year to get out of Winnipeg uh, early yeah. January. Huh? <laughs> although, although, and again, you know me, I'm a little, I'm a little superstitious, and I don't want to jinx anything. However, Mother Nature is already taking care of that, and we do for the first time all year have some highs of minus twenty in the forecast. But overall, this has been such a nice uh, run for the Jets, coinciding with some abnormally warm winter weather so far. I think we're now into a little bit more of a normal run where it's no minus 10, minus 9. And as I said, early next week, it looks like it is going to be a little chillier. Um, But I'll tell you what, it's hot in that arena right now. And no team is hotter than the Winnipeg Jets, who did it again last night. And, you know, another impressive, impressive defensive performance, Remo. The only way other teams can score on the Jets is phantom penalties, like what happened with Adam Lowry that set up the Tampa Bay first goal and then starting the wave too early, which automatically results in a goal against. And uh, that's how Tampa got their two goals. You know, <laughs> you know, I don't want to like dump on the officials. Cause like, that's such an easy thing to do. And officiating, I think it's pretty impossible and maybe they're not given appropriate tools to correct mistakes like when they um call a high stick wrong but like do they, are they just just getting like screwed over and over again on, on calls um you know we saw it on sunday with the ryan hartman just blatantly slashing culprit fetty in the face and we're not done talking about that and then yesterday um you know a little friendly fire it's not adam lowry gets called for a high stick and when nino wasn't happy as well going to the box like and there's been games this year where you don't know What's a penalty? Then they call something that hasn't been called all game. I think officials just across across sports, it's a tough a tough job. It just seems like more and more it's happening. And yeah, you thought it was going to be rough start, Hus. Um, you know they take a Lowry goes to the box on a penalty he didn't even take, and Stamkos blasts one home. You're like, oh Jesus, this isn't uh, isn't going so hot here. But hey, they were able to rebound and uh, score a couple straight. And, you know, and win the game. And, um, you know, how about that? The highlight of the game for me, like Neil Pionk tipping a puck in on the high slot from a shot from Brendan Dillon. Uh, I mean, that was a huge one to tie the game in the second period. And Alex Afal goes, you know, Perfetti takes it to the net. Afal falls it up uh, for the go-ahead goal. Uh, Go-ahead goal there. But uh, they're, they're certainly feeling it here. And Neil Pionk did say after the game, what it's like when you're playing golf, it's just everything's, Going your way, and I can't recall like a defenseman tipping a puck in the high shot off a shot from a defenseman. They're they're rolling, and the fourth line getting in on it. Morgan Barron assisting on that one as well. Nemestikov, uh, what a role he's playing! Three assists, and yeah, Barron. I mentioned he had two points too. Point so. of game. Toninato continues yeah, to he's continues. do his thing <clears throat> as Crazy. a point of game guy in the NHL, as uh, recognized by Rick Bonus earlier on. Yeah, to use the golf analogy right now, the Jets are hitting all the fairways. Their irons are dialed in, and the putts are dropping. And um, 
I mean, the uh, we saw it last night. And it wasn't, I mean, I thought the best of the Jets, um, maybe in the first period. And they did fall down. And Tampa's not a team that often loses when they get the lead uh, early on. But uh, the Jets were able to power through. And, and I thought really, really exert themselves in the second and third period over a depleted defense core of the Lightning. It still is bizarre that they came into that game with 13 forwards and five defensemen. Um, but when you were right up against the cap and you get injuries, um, it's not as easy to maneuver around them. Uh, and that was the situation that the Lightning were in last night. Um, but from my perspective, Reem, you know, like the top line's got a little quiet over the last week or so. Um, but again, and we'll talk about this with JP Vijay, about just how impressive the team overall is. Um, there's always somebody else stepping up. And, and last night, it was that line, too. Like, I know Perfetti was all in the news yesterday for the Hartman incident and, you know, the interview in the in the morning, um, you know, talking about how he had said that he did it on purpose. And we'll actually have got an interesting clip on that in just a minute. But holy smokes, I mean, he seemed to be... Uh, I don't know if you remember that one play where he ran around Victor Hedman and then just put his shoulder down and took the puck to the net. Like, he's playing with a level of confidence that I don't think he had in the first couple seasons. Uh, Alex Iafallo continues to impress night in and night out. He is so good on the puck. He wins battles, good with the stick, in the right place. He got that goal last night. And Vlad was so good last night that at one point in the third period, Rick Bonus swapped Vlad and Mark Scheifele for a little while, um, which I think is another feather in the cap of Nemetsnikov, who... Um, continues to do whatever the team needs of him and do it very well. Yeah, but Nemestikov, again, I said it before, three assists, ties a career a career high for him, and he's got points in three straight, one goal, uh, four assists in three straight. Everyone seems to be rolling. Kind of funny, the top line was going so hard before. Ehlers, Velarde, Shifley, they've kind of cooled off a bit. But, hey, it's that fourth line, point per game, Tononato's in there. Barron's got points in consecutive games. Uh, Nemestikov, we mentioned. Uh, it's absolutely incredible how much this team is rolling. And yeah, Perfe- I mean, Perfetti, he doesn't get phased. He gets slashed in the face, and he comes and laughs it off in a press conference and uh, what, walks around uh, Victor Hedman. And you mentioned the Lightning rocking 5D. Hedman relied on heavily 29 minutes, uh, 14 seconds for him. And you kind of thought, you know, I, I thought it was going to be a letdown game for the Jets just because they had... You know, the back-to-back against Minnesota, Tuesday night. But no, they were able to persevere through not at their best. And, you know, you do have to give credit to the anchor back there, Connor Hellebuck, stopping 32 of 34. Um, this guy is awesome on a, last night. a historic streak. And, I, you know, I hadn't really thought about it until, what, he hit like 250 career wins. And he's like, no, I'm trying to get 300 or whatever. Um, he's at the top of the NHL on Money Puck, goal saved. Above expected. Uh, he's on his way to a Vesna Trophy nomination. You know, we'll see about a win. But, man, I think like he's going to be the the first Jets 2.0 player uh, in the Hockey Hall of Fame. And that's a wait. That's a long time away. I mean, he just signed a seven se- more he, years. He just signed a seven-year deal. So that's like a le- that's at least 11 years away. But still, um, we're w- witnessing greatness here uh, from Connor Hellebuck and the NHL's announcing their all-star, you know, the first ba- batch of all-stars tomorrow. Player in December. I imagine it's going to be 
a hell of a buck from the Jets, and you hope that they can get one or two more. But the rules are dumb where, you know, they have to have a, a representative for every team. So not everyone who is deserving to be an all-star uh, gets named an all-star. I, I uh, And I think I've said this a couple times before. I would be fine with Hellebuck not playing in the All-Star game. Give him a little bit of extra yeah. rest and get out and do it. I mean, honestly. But the thing about it is, is he deserves it. And he wants to be there. Like, he wants to be recognized amongst the best in the game. So, yeah, when those, when those names are announced, I would assume that Connor Hellebuck is going to be the Winnipeg Jet named. Uh, and then we're all going to have to step up and uh, do some serious voting because it's fan voting for the other 12 spots. We are coming from somewhat of a disadvantage in the smallest market in the National Hockey League. So when I would assume, I, I think Josh Morrissey's probably the most likely guy. Um, I mean, if you look at it, Mark Scheifele certainly deserves consideration. It won't be Kyle Connor because of the injury. Gabriel Velarde was hurt and missed too much of the first part of the season. So I think that the best chance of another Winnipeg Jet is probably Josh Morrissey going there. Um, but again, we'll see what happens when they announce the uh, All-Stars tomorrow. And, you know, we'll talk about that with Connor when uh, he jumps on with us a little bit later on. Listen, Reem, I do want to get to some clips from the game last night. But this morning on the Jeff Merrick show, Elliot Friedman jumped on with uh, JM. And, you know, it is kind of funny. There was a ton of games last night. And there was lots coming out of the uh, evening in the National Hockey League. They did say that they were going to talk about the Jets win over Tampa. And never quite got to that because they got a little sidetracked talking about the aftermath of, you know, Perfetti's interview yesterday and all the nonsense that happened with the Minnesota Wild over the course of the weekend. Here's uh, Elliot Friedman on Perfetti uh, and uh, the Jets being in uh, incensed, to say the least, over what transpired over the last few days. Listen to this. This is from the Jeff Merrick show earlier today on Sportsnet. I think there's a couple of things here. Number one, I heard the Jets were livid behind the scenes and they're still mad about the Connor injury. They're mad that a yep. player who has a long rap sheet got away with a fine here. I think they feel that, you know, Dylan answered the bell and Lowry answered, answered the bell. So why should it continue? And I, I also would not be surprised here. And I believe it's true that the Jets were angry over who was the target. They were like, Cole Perfetti mm -hmm. had nothing to do with this, and he's a young player who's had some injuries, and they were angry that he was the person who suddenly had to answer for all of this. And I think all yeah. of that, um, like, you know, Jeff, it was not an accident that got out yesterday. The Jets were making a point. All right, so there's Elliot uh, on that, and um, you know what? I love it. I love it. Um, I hated what happened to Perfetti. I thought, I listen. I mean, I think most of us around here thought that it was an absolute massive overreaction to basically was a nothing play. I don't want to diminish the fact that Kaprizov got injured, but I mean, I've said this over time. That happens 25 times a game. So. Um, 
Listen, the Wild have a knack for taking things way too far, in particular Ryan Hartman. And um, listen, the Jets are livid, and they should be. And I think this entire fan base is. And it's the end result for this is going to be February 20 is going to be a circus here in Winnipeg when the Minnesota Wild come back. That might be the most anticipated game. And I've already had people send me messages, Remo, that they have made a point of getting their tickets for February 20th right now uh, because they imagine that thing will be, uh, that'll be full. Um, but another interesting point that Elliot made earlier on in that is that, and listen, he's correct, and he knows that the media is somewhat Toronto-centric because certainly the Canadian media, for the most part, national media is all based there. It is very clear uh, that despite the gaudy record that the Jets have, not many of the national media pay much attention to the Winnipeg Jets. Like, they're not tuning in on Saturday afternoon or Sunday afternoon watching what happened between Winnipeg and Minnesota. And I was watching Sportsnet yesterday afternoon. Um, Kipper and uh, Justin Bourne were on. Um, and I, I, was li- I was livid hearing those guys talk about this. Now, they had no clue about what had happened before. And they had said that they loved it. They loved the move that uh, that Hartman did. And I, I took exception to it. And actually, Justin's a great guy. We used to do some work together with CoolBet. Um, so we had a little bit of a back and forth. And he basically said, no, we didn't see the play at all. This was sort of in a vacuum. We just, you know, heard the clips and found what out. And, you know, I sent him, I go, this is what it was all about. Like, check out this play. He's like, good Lord, I, I can't believe that all of this is stemming from that. And it sounded like there had been other retribution. Um, it's unfortunate that people are paying attention to the Winnipeg Jets because of that incident, as opposed to what the team has done on the ice so far this year. But I have a feeling if the team keeps winning this way, that will change. And I do know that all those people will actually pay attention on February 20th when the Wilds are coming back to the peg. Yeah, I love that clip from Elliot because as Cole Perfetti came out yesterday and almost laughed it off, uh, you know, beyond belief. Behind the scenes, it was nice to hear that the Jets were livid, as livid as many people here in chat, as livid as maybe I was, having believing, can't believe, not be able to believe that a human being would do that uh, to another person. Be like, yeah, I'm going to hit you in the face here with my stick. And they did comment how Cole Perfetti was wearing a mouth guard, which is probably why he only got two stitches and didn't lose uh, oh, all his teeth. He would have lost the top, the top row of his grill, for sure. But it's... So ridiculous that a guy with that kind of history um, got, you know, seven his seventh fine. It doesn't get a suspension for that. Uh, so ridiculous. So credit to the Jets. And you, know, you talk about player safety. There was an incident, um, what, with Nick Cousins hitting a guy who was like had his knee on the ground, and and then Jason he didn't Zucker just hit him. He left his feet to do it. So they now just announced right now, Huss, that. What cousin? Nothing for cousins, but Jason Zucker got a hearing for coming to defense of his teammate and his player safety. Like they, I don't know, they're out to lunch so often, and I don't know. It's disappointing that you know, a guy like Hartman, who's got a history, only gets a what four thousand dollar fine, which is nothing. So uh, we'll see what happens February twentieth. Hopefully, you don't want to see anything serious happen, but you expect the league to take care of this kind of stuff here. Do we think, and again, I'm sure there's a lot of people that are listening to this or watching this probably didn't see it because it was a late game last night. And um, 
Do well, we, is this fine territory, or uh, might there be a what? game for Zucker? Oh, well, it's know. obviously nothing's happening for Cousins, right? Uh, what did I tell you? Yeah, I don't, I don't know, but it is interesting because, like, you, as you said, if it, you know, if Cole Perfetti was a player on Toronto and got slashed in the face or Montreal, well, that's like, what I said to Bourne yeah. in the tweet. I'm like, it, you guys say that you love this. How different would this segment sound right now if it was your boy Mitchie Marner? that got it in the face, off the face-off, in a direct bit of retaliation for something he had nothing to do as opposed to Cole Perfetti. Somehow I think you wouldn't be yucking it up and loving it as much as you seem to on today's show. Yeah, and I, again, like, I don't mind, like, physical play if it's part of the game where, you know, someone's got a hit, you want to blow him up, go, you know, go do that. Go hit him and, you know, make a clean hit, but, again, stick a guy in the face. Now we're getting to this, this uh, rabbit hole of, Yesterday, <laughs> yesterday, yeah, I know. We should I be know. celebrating this Jets win. I do have the bonus clips. If you want to, you know, he, they're in a pretty good mood. I mean, bonus joking with Murat uh, in in the post game and Neil Pionk cracking jokes as well. It's they're just in a great mood. A great, a great timing for this mentors trip as well. No doubt about it. Okay, listen, let let Leah. Let's stay on track. Let's not let the uh, Ryan Hartman incident. <laughs> Get us, get us to where we were yesterday. Um, Bones uh, was pleased. I mean, this was uh, this was a game where maybe the Jets weren't as good for sixty minutes as they'd been at times, but they uh, they continued to do their thing. Got a big four-two win. Here's what Bones had to say about last night's win. No, the listen, the guys have all bought in from day one, um, and that's that's what it is. It's just complete buy-in from everybody. Um, you know, tonight. We were slow out of the gates. There's no question. They were coming at us, um, but good teams find a way to win. And tonight wasn't a Picasso by any stretch uh, early in the game. But when we got our legs going and we started to play Winnipeg Jet hockey, when we get committed to that, uh, there's not a team in this league we can't beat. There's not a team in this league we can't beat. And I was saying the exact same thing in some text messages to some friends after that game before we heard Rick Bonus. This team can go toe-to-toe with the best teams in the league. I legitimately can't wait to see them get another crack at Vegas and Dallas, who they played in the first month of the season when they hadn't quite got to this level. See how they do against those teams that have had their way with Winnipeg this year. But, you know, just look at this past month. Colorado, Los Angeles, the Boston Bruins, the Minnesota Wild, twice. Tampa Bay Lightning, the Jets are beating some quality teams. Even if I included the Wild in that group. Um, <laughs> you know, Bones was asked about, um, and this was Rennie's question, about, you know, what happened in the first period? Uh, what does he have to say to these guys? How does he handle a team, you know, that's down, that maybe hadn't been at the level they'd been before? Here's what he had to say about uh, getting them going after that first period. Our players know. I mean, I walk in, I say, it's obvious what's happening out there. Like, yeah, even after the second one, we got those two goals. It was obvious. Get get the forecheck going, get our D involved, and we're, we're tough to beat. So we didn't do that in the first. We, we did it in the second. So we're at the point now. I just have to bring those things to their attention, and they don't have to go into great detail because they see it. This team is committed. This team is a smart hockey team, and they are. We're playing the right way for the most part. And they see it as well as I do, right? They're pros, they know. 
So, so you're not tweaking the system to adjust sometimes to what they're do. doing? Sometimes yeah. we do, but our, it's not so much tweaking the systems. It's tweaking what we're not doing well, whether it's skating or not getting the puck deep or our breakouts. And like tonight, we didn't. I didn't like a lot of our breakouts early. We kept trying to come up the strong side. They're taking it away. you got to come out the weak side. we got to come out the weak side. So those are things we talk a lot about on the bench during the game. That was uh, that was an interesting one from Bones. Um, and I mean, I, I don't know whether in my lifetime we'll ever get to the point where, you know, maybe we can pay for extra access and just have a camera or a mic, you know, on what's going on in the dressing rooms in between periods. But, man, it would be fascinating to hear the interactions that we don't see of what happens in between, in between periods with NHL teams. But as Bones said, Reem, um, you know, often he doesn't have to say too much. And... Um, I believe him. I think this team knows exactly what they've been doing so well. They continue to do it well, and they got back to it big time in that second period, and uh, the goals followed. Yeah, they seem to all be on the same page, uh, you know, sticking to the system, and they know if they, you know, do what the uh, coaching staff has instructed and what they've been doing all year, uh, you know, they're putting themselves in a pretty good chance to win, and yeah, they had a, a rough first and uh, got back into it, two goals in the second, and um, you know, wasn't the, you know what wasn't technically the what game winning goal the second goal because of uh, you know scored the second because but, of the wave yeah because of the wave right exactly but it was uh, the go ahead marker so um, hey credit to the Jets team all four lines playing pretty well and I'm sure the top line will you know get get some get on the scoreboard pretty soon but a really nice win two and zero against Tampa. Uh, this season, pretty pretty impressive stuff. Well, Even season if- sweep of the teams in Florida, two and zero against the Panthers, two and zero against the Lightning. I saw somebody on Twitter. I, I unfortunately I can't and- remember who it was saying when was the last time that happened. I mean, I haven't checked. I would bet that it's never happened. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe in seventeen eighteen, maybe, but I mean, Tampa was a juggernaut then. So, um, listen, the uh, the body of work speaks for itself. <laughs> yeah. I- before you hear a couple numbers, how about the East? How about the Florida? How about the East? 10 0 and 3 against the East. And how about this? Talk about locking it down 18 1 and 1 when leading after two. Uh, just incredible, incredible numbers here from the Jets. Well, and uh, Hellebuck, of course, was the first star last night. And uh, the Heli Selly's always better when he's the first star. He came out and had some good time, good time with the fans last night. And um, I mean, listen, the other guy that was a monster yesterday was Nemetsnikov. And I'll include that entire line. I mean, Ayafala was great. Perfetti was phenomenal. Um, and, you know, and it's it's a line that if you told me at the start of the year, we'd be going into 2024, talking about a top six that includes Perfetti, Ayafala with Nemetsnikov. And that would be the difference-making line against Tampa. I would have taken it, uh, but I probably wouldn't have believed it. Uh, but that's where we are. Here's what Bones had to say about the continued contribution of uh, Bla- Vladdy the baddie. Vladdy is, when Vladdy started there, we, we were explaining to him what was going on. This is what's going to happen. Just be patient here. You're gonna, everything's going to fall into place for you here. Just This is the way we're starting, but that 
we're not this is not written in stone so full confidence in that I love Vladdy from the days we had him in Tampa he's a smart hockey player and you see him tonight um, so I moved to marking him around in the third period he just he just settles in with whoever who play, he plays with and he's very calm with the puck Vladdy never throws the puck away and at that with the empty net goal is a perfect example of it so uh, I trust him in every situation yeah, and he uh, he uh, was the beneficiary of a bit of a gift from Vassy last night. Turned it over to Nikolai Ehlers, and uh, the Jets were up two and never looked back. Um, the big one, though, um, getting on the scoreboard was Neil Pionk, who had a perfect deflection in the slot from his defense partner, Brendan Dillon. Pionk was uh, in good spirits after the game. Here's what he had to say about his goal. Yeah, about time he found me. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, we just, we honestly, we made eye contact in the corner, and I said, this might happen, and I actually got a piece on it and actually went in. Couldn't believe it. What was the uh, celebration like? It, almost disbelief. Um, <laughs> for me, the high tip it there is, is kind of crazy. I, I know we had good net front, too, so I don't know if you even saw it, but uh, it was a good play all around. So at this point, you come off of a really big December, start January the right way. Um, what's going so well for you guys overall team-wise? A lot of things are clicking five on five. Uh, we're playing good team defense, and when we break down, uh, we got the best goal in the league to bail us out. So, uh, had a few breakdowns tonight, and, and he really bailed us out. And um, it was a good team win overall. All right, we got a couple more quick clips from Pionk, and then uh, we'll get to JP VJ. Um, listen, this number is now the third longest streak since 1967 in the NHL of allowing three goals or less. 26 straight. Here's what Neil Pionk had to say about uh, that interesting statistic yeah business as usual um we played our structure we stick to our systems and like i said when when we break down bucky bails us out everything's kind of clicking right now five and five um i kind of compare it to shooting your low golf round of the year like everything just clicks you're doing everything right and that's kind of what we're doing um we're keeping the outside limiting chances and uh playing really well five and five all right, and um, you know we'll also be getting into over the next few days the uh, Jets on their dads and mentors trip. Pionk um, had a hilarious line uh, on the upcoming mentors trip, where a lot of the dads and important male figures in the Winnipeg Jets players' lives are going to be coming along for the ride. Oh yeah, I think we have uh, 30 coaches coming with us, so um, there'll be a lot of X's and O's. You know what? They should put a whiteboard in the suite and see which dad grabs it first, drawing up plays. It'll be fun. Yeah. What's the biggest difference between when your mom went on the trip and you think when your dad's going on this one? Well, when you lose and your mom's there, it's you know it's okay, honey. It's gonna be all right. And when you lose and you know your dad's got an idea how to fix it, right? So it's uh, no, it'll be fun. I'm looking forward to it. I did a dad's trip in New York and then the mom's trip a few years ago in Winnipeg, so we're we're excited for it. You know, I know Alex Iafallo said in that New Year's resolution video that the Jets put out that he thinks that Neil just, quote, needs to tone it down a bit. Uh, not if he's doing a stand-up act like that after the game. Uh, <laughs> a few good cracks from number four yesterday and a big, big goal in uh, in the game last night. Um, listen, we're going to get to J.P. Vigier right away. Murata Tesh coming up a little later on. We will get into a bit of a WST roundtable with Connor Rabchak and Remus later on in the program. Um, but as I mentioned right off the top, an awesome crowd last night. Um, let's keep this going, Winnipeg. Um, right now, tickets are on sale for this four-game homestand beginning next week, and there are some beauty games. Uh, it starts off with the Columbus Blue Jackets. Unfortunately, it doesn't look like Line is going to be in the lineup at that point. 
Um, but Connor Bedard coming in on Thursday with the Chicago Blackhawks, and that young man alone is worth the price of admission. We've got a Saturday night game, which should be awesome against the Philadelphia Flyers. Philly lost last night in Edmonton, but, man, they have been a tough out on the road. That should be a great game. And then the New York Islanders on Tuesday. Of course, they still do have four, six, and eight game packs available. And I think that if you, um, you, uh, you know, if you give them a ring and hook up with those seats, uh, you'll also be in line to get playoff tickets. And I know there's a lot of runway left to go, but um, not unreasonable to start maybe saving a little bit and getting ready for playoff hockey here in Winnipeg. You can find it out now, uh, WinnipegJets.com/tickets. And uh, I would also suggest if you're thinking about getting back in season tickets or whatnot, they would love to hear from you as well. Hey, uh, let's give a cheers to our friends at Canadian Club for their support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. And, of course, the Winnipeg Boo Bombers is the official spirit. Uh, Pop by your local Manitoba Liquor Marts and enjoy the best of Canadian Club, including the favorites, Original CC, the 100% Rye, CC Classic 12-year-old. And don't forget, there's limited availability left of the special Canadian Club Invitation Series, CC 15-year-old Sherry Class, the signature Canadian Club 12-year-old whiskey, finished with a secondary aging in Oloroso Sherry casks, all the hallmarks of classic Canadian Club with the added richness and sweetness of Sherry. And uh, right now, this year, whenever you're enjoying Canadian Club, always enjoy responsibly. Um, hey, i, I got to give a shout-out to Donnie and the gang at Manitoba Battery. We, uh, as I mentioned, you look ahead into the forecast and it's finally coming. Ah, we can't be too upset. We knew it was going to happen at some point, but uh, it's going to be getting real cold, colder than it's been all year long. Are you ready for it? If you're not, get to Manitoba Battery or just give them a call because they've got the best prices in battery on batteries for your car, your truck, period, hands down, beating the pants off the big box stores. And you won't even need to leave your house to get it. Manitoba Battery delivers citywide for free with any purchase for 60 bucks. So pick up the phone, 783-8787, or go to manitobabattery.com. Get ready for winter. Hopefully it won't be too, too long or too extreme, but you won't be calling a friend from the side of the road asking for a boost with the help of Manitoba Battery at 1026 Logan Avenue. And hey, new year, new look, new you. Maybe it's time, fellas, to get a new look for 2024. Get on down to Modern Man Barbershops at one of eight Winnipeg locations, including the newest locations on Pemina Highway or Plessy Road for haircuts, beard shaping, shaves, color services, and more. Easiest and most efficient way to make an appointment is to book your look online via modernmanbarber.com at any of the eight locations. And uh, give them a follow on Instagram while you're at it, at Modern Man Barbershops. All right, Murata Tesh is coming up in a few minutes. Um, but right now, let's welcome in JP Vijay for his thoughts on the Winnipeg Jets up till this point in the season. Vijay, Happy New Year. What's going on? Happy New Year. Just another quiet day at the house before we hit the ice this afternoon. Yeah, well, not a quiet night at the rink last night, and uh, there hasn't been many of them lately. Um, it's been a minute since we've spoken. Um, how about those Jets? Yeah, well, who are those Jets, huh? They are really starting to find themselves. It's uh, an exciting brand of hockey to watch where everyone's involved, and you know you can feel the intensity pick up as the season progresses here. 
you know, we can kind of get into a few aspects of the game where they've been very successful, ways they can be even better, the roster. But let me just ask you, Vij, as a guy that's followed this team for a long time, that has played in the National Hockey League, when you look at the Winnipeg Jets this year as a team compared to what we talked about last season, where do the differences start? What's been the most impactful change with the Winnipeg Jets that has them flirting with the number one spot in the division in the whole NHL? I think the key word you said there, Hus, team. They are a team. Uh, we've always heard of clicks or rifts within the dressing room at different times with different players, and I haven't heard anything this year. It has been all about the we. They have all pulled the same rope. They have all looked for success at different times. Winning cures a lot of hidden issues. And right now, to me, the biggest thing for the Winnipeg Jets is the team. Isn't individual players because we're getting contributions at different nights. It's the way all 20 players play. No matter who's in the lineup, they're playing a certain way. But they're playing for each other. And we're seeing that. Even when, you know, the fisticuffs of the war of Minnesota the other night, you know, things linger. But different players are stepping up and, and taking, you know, responsibility for the game and it's not always the same guys but it's fun to see because now we have an identity that the Winnipeg Jets are finding we always wondered what it would be and now it is you know Vij um and I don't want to bring this back to just talking about last year and the years before but the one thing Rick Bonus has said right off the bat at training camp and continue through is that he's got a group that every single person wants to be here. And I think it was exhausting for probably a lot of players in that room to hear all the discourse about Pierre-Luc Dubois and what was going to happen and what wasn't going to happen. And, of course, the Wheeler situation. Um, I mean, we can talk about the new players that came in in the Kings trade, um, or Niederreiter and Nemetsnikov, but how much does a team benefit from just having a clear focus on the job at hand, knowing that everyone really is there for the same purpose and they're pulling on the rope the same way. It makes a huge difference. It takes away all the distractions. It takes away all the, the not the bickering, but behind the scenes, the yeah, 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 the, that, you know, that doesn't work in, in the, in the world of, of a team. Uh, if you look at all great teams that have had great success, we don't hear of, Oh, it's this player needing to do that. It's that player. Look, Colorado Avalanche, they win a Stanley Cup. What do you hear? Nathan McKinnon is the leader of that team. He's pulling that rope around him. Those guys are doing the right things at the right time, right? They're doing the good things. Kale McCart, Detroit Red Rings of the 80s. You don't hear Steve Eiserman complaining that he didn't get enough ice time or didn't get enough points uh, and so on. If you look at every contending team, there has to be a symmetry to what they're doing. I don't know if the Winnipeg Jets are going far in the playoffs. Uh, we're at Christmas here. There's a long way to go before that. But you feel that there is a symmetry to their team. Every player is engaged. Every player understands how they're going to succeed. And we're seeing individual success, but we're seeing the individual success because of the team success and how things are being done. Well, and, and, and listen, I mean, I'll lean on your NHL experience for this as a guy that, you know, played at different points in the lineup. At times, was the American Hockey League, was an early call up, would get a chance to play. I mean, maybe one of the most impressive things outside of the style that they play and how consistent they've been is how many different guys have had a hand in these victories. And, I mean, I look at last night's game. Dominic Toninato 
with the way that he's played in these four he's games is coming up to the moose. I mean, hey, Rick Bonus called him a point-of-game player on the weekend, and yeah. he's he's sticking to it with another one last night. Axel Janssen, Fjolby yeah. as well, moose at the start of the year coming up. I mean, it really does seem like there is um, a certain level of expectation with the club um, that every player kind of meets on a nightly basis, but a level of competition to stay in your spot to earn your ice time because everybody else is um, doing their job night in and night out. I mean, I'm not sure what we can attribute that to, um, but what have you seen the same thing, and how much does that help a team continue to push forward in the fashion the Jets are right now? Yeah, a little internal competition goes a long way in any team because every player is playing for contract, pride, and their status. So I attribute two things. One, Rick Bonus making this a family. He has talked nothing about him or I. It has been we and the group since he's gotten here. I think it, the wheels fell off the rail a little bit last year, and he blew up at the end of the year saying that uh, things weren't the way they started. And two, leadership on the team. <clears throat> the leadership has ha- had accountability, has had an acceptance, and uh, having everyone be part of the team. Player gets called up. You don't feel that player being neglected from the group. That player is right into the family, right? If it's Dominic, Tony Nato, if it's Axel Fialbi, whoever it is, they come in and they feel part of the group. That leadership group is, you know, bringing everyone in, having that inclusivity that you want to see in a group. And that makes everyone feel like they can contribute. And we're seeing that. It could be the first line. It could be the third line. A different night, it's a second line. So that really makes everyone joining at the hip. And I think once you get to that point where everyone feels like they have one hand on the prize, they're going to work a little bit harder. They're going to do a little bit more. And then you add that competition. Geez, if, if I don't go good, there's a couple of guys that are, you know, training right now that are injured or coming back. I got to prove that I'm better than this guy. You know, so like if, if the Winnipeg Jets ever get to a healthy lineup, there's some serious questions about who's going to be in and who's going to be out. Cause there's Gustafson, Kyle Connor, right? Uh, there's more guys just itching to get back in that lineup when they get healthy. Well, I, never mind the blue line. We'll get to that in a minute. But, you know, you mentioned the leadership group, and I think a ton of the credit has to go to Adam Lowry. He has been everything that was hoped for and more, uh, and his line has been a huge part of the team's success. Josh Morrissey as well. But I want to ask you about Mark Shifley um, because the last couple seasons – um, you know, listen, we had many conversations about where Mark was at, what his future might be. Um, and I think we are all maybe t- surprised a little bit the way everything went down on Thanksgiving with the dual contract extensions. But something you mentioned a minute ago, guys are you know playing for a bunch of things, including playing for their contract. Well, Mark's not playing for that contract anymore. And it seems like with nothing else to worry about, big picture, he is more bought in than we've ever seen before. Specifically to Shifley, what have you thought about his season so far? And I know they haven't been particularly hot this last little while, but um, how different does Mark look in not just points, but his 200-foot game compared to maybe the last couple seasons when I think there was a lot of noise around him? Yeah, I think, I don't know if the having the contract has lifted the weight off his shoulders and saying, I'm going to be a Winnipeg Jet forever barring uh, unforeseen circumstances. But I think that has seemed lifted his shoulder off his shoulders. And now we're seeing, uh, we're not extending a ship. But two things I look at is D-Zone uh, 
accountability has been lights out. And last year, what I felt I saw was an extension of the shift. The, 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 line, the line would change, but he would look to extend his shift into the offensive zone to see if there was something happening and change on the back check. Now, as he's changing on the back check, so the player replacing him has got a whole pile of speed coming at him. and never So the momentum of the team never really gets going north. It's always enveloped in, in speed coming at them. So at that point, the snowball effect happens. Now we're seeing him dump the puck change, and the other line comes out and is roaring at the other team, and it snowballs. So when it comes back for him to get back onto the ice, he's going north instead of back checking where he wants to go. And I think that's enveloped and, and done the, the culture of the group. If we change at the proper time, we keep the momentum going our way and we hand over the next shift and understanding that the second, third, and fourth line are going to keep that momentum going. When I get my next shift, I'm going to have momentum and I'm going to be going north with the puck, not back checking into our zone. And that makes a big difference. We're seeing them not play in their zone nearly as much, but when they are, they're quick and they're out in a hurry, which makes a difference for what we look at March Eifley being a steadily defensive center right now, but he's actually just not playing in his own that much because they always have a puck. You know, that is such a great observation about the shift and the shift links. And and let's face it, that was something that Rick Bonus seemed to hammer on, what was it, his first week on the job last season? (laughs) I mean, um, but it it has been such a great development. And, um, and, and, you know, for Shifley in particular, you see how maybe being – a little less worried about some of those other things that might end up affecting the contract into just worrying about the one job that he and his teammates have right now, and that's winning hockey games. Unless and we think, don't... Go ahead. So sorry, Huss. Uh, and I think, you know, if you take away... He's He's been given more leadership now as well, right? Some of the players that who have left were kind of the older statesman of the group, and Mark Sheffley never overstepped his boundaries on that. There is none of that now. It's a 20-man leadership group, as Rick Bonus likes to put it. He's taken more of that on. And if the leader can't do it properly, you can't expect the others to do the same. So right now, we're seeing Mark Shifley say, I'm a leader. I have to do it the right way. And I think before, we didn't quite have that out of him. And now we're seeing, I'm going to lead. Like, Mark Shifley's fighting if he has to. We don't want to see that all the time, but he's bought in. right? And to me, when, when a... You know, he does that. Not that I want to see him do that. He's bought into this team and wants to make sure it goes in the right direction. You know, and and listen, I mean, uh, you'll probably only hear me cite a plus-minus statistic maybe two or three times in the entire calendar year, and I know we're just a couple days into January. Today is one of them. Just just because all of these things playing together. Um, You know, Scheif was a big-time plus player throughout his entire career, and the last couple seasons, things sort of flipped. Um, and lot, two seasons ago, minus 17, last year, minus 16, and now he's at plus 14. And again, I know there's a lot of factors and variables that go into that, um, but a lot of it comes down to attention to detail and commitment in the defensive zone. And I think it's safe to say we can all agree that I'm not sure Mark has been ever as good and as committed to uh, that role right now. And, and the funny thing about it is, Veej, I think that's helping them score more. It is because he's not defending as much, right? It totally is. Like people think he's got to play more offense. Well, how do you play more offense? The only controllables you have in hockey. Yeah, get the puck and then go, right? So once he gets it, he doesn't have to give it up. But if you don't work properly to get it, you're not getting it back. And that National Hockey League isn't going to say, we've had our 20 seconds, it's fair play, here's your turn. But they're going to say, suck it. 
keep working because I'm going to take it from you again. Um, JP Vijay with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Um, you know, it's easy to kind of focus in on some of the interesting individual storylines, but back to your original point, this is a team. Um, you know, from an X's and O's per, um, perspective, when you watch this team night in and night out do what they continue to do, where does it start, Vish? I mean, what are the Winnipeg Jets doing better than their opponents night in and night out in general that's leading to uh, their lofty spot in standings? Well, uh, should be two things. Honor Hellebuck is having a dynamite season, which covers a lot of ifs and buts, but their identity as a group of five in their D zone. So if you don't have the puck, you got to play a certain way. And the Winnipeg Jets are doing that 1 through 20 in, in their lineup. So if they have the puck, go get up the ice, D-man included. If you don't have the puck, you got to make sure you're over the puck. So they're not spending a lot of time in their zone because the forwards are on top of the puck, but back pressuring through the deep offensive zone and the D's uh, neutral zone. So they're creating a pile of turnovers in the neutral zone. Like if the Jets are in their zone or hemmed in, it's not often that we see that. But we're seeing that detail not only in the offensive zone from an offensive standpoint, but the offensive zone from a defensive standpoint as well, which allows the D-man to be tied up. And how many times do we see a Morrissey or a Pionk or DeMello or Schmidt, Stamberg, all those guys get a puck in the neutral zone to create offense again, as opposed to getting it deep in the defensive zone? We're seeing less time there because they're playing in sync all over the ice. You know, uh, it, it's funny you bring up Helly because, I mean, he was the third star of the month. Um, you know, it was announced yesterday. I mean, he and Brassois' numbers through December are eye-poppingly good. But I have to admit, I don't think that he's been as close to as stressed on a nightly basis with what is thrown at him. And I think it's the blue line and every player in the lineup and the way they are playing together, connected, whatever you want to call it, that's helping that. I mean... How much has what the forwards have done helped the results for the guys on the blue line this year and eventually LB and Connor Hellebuck back in the net? Yeah, 100%. It's helped both. So Connor Hellebuck and Lauren Brassois now know where the shot's coming from. The complaint was in the past years that he's got to go east-west, back to the other side. It's coming low. It's a backdoor tap-in. They know, make the first save. It's coming from here. On the five-on-five, five, if we give up a shot, we want to give up a shot from these areas. So the goalies can focus on being square, big, and there. We haven't had to see the goalies make acrobatic east-to-west, two-pad stack saves uh, on a nightly basis. So when they can control where things are coming from, we have a direct line on how to defend that. So then it's controlled, and then the net front becomes a battle, but you know where the rebounds are going if there is one. But Hellebuck and LB haven't had to throw rebounds out because they know where the puck's coming from. It's hitting them, and they're both big square goalies. So when's the last time, besides the first game of, against Minnesota, that we had to see an acrobatic save from one of the goalies? Connor Hellebuck makes a save looking the wrong way. That never happens, right? He got turned around. When you're having a hot streak, those hit you. Um, but right now, he's big and square, and he knows where the puck's coming from. Well, I, you know, we've talked about this. I mean, I, it was with last night's win, I believe it's 26 straight games with three goals or less, which is the third longest streak since 1967. Um, you know, it, it, it is incredible. And I should mention, I mean, if you want to see the biggest, where the biggest kind of um, data shows the turnaround of the Winnipeg Jets, look no further than the defense pairings. I mean, we heard a lot and we talked a lot about what the Jets need to do to improve their blue line. Well, when you look at 
defensive statistics right now in the NHL, Vige, like the Sandberg-Schmidt pairing has been number one in the league literally for three months in goals against and expected goals against. And when your third pairing is in that spot, a lofty spot, you're in a good place. But the Neil Pionk brendan Dillon pairing is there right now. And listen, we know what Josh Morrissey and, uh, and uh, Dylan DeMello do as well. How much of that is improved play by the Blue Liners doing their job maybe more efficiently? And how much is it more of everything else we've just talked about with the buy-in from everyone there? Because, I like, listen, I think we all agree and we've talked about that it all is there together. But, man, you talk about a turnaround season for Neil Pionk, the way Nate Schmidt's holding his place in the lineup right now, with back to the competition, knowing who's coming back. Um, I mean, it, it has been... I don't want to say stunning because I think people hope that some of these guys had it in them, but I mean, the numbers speak for themselves. Yeah. To me, the answer is C, all the above, right? The forwards are helping the D, the D are helping the forwards. Uh, the goalies are making a save when they have to. So I think all of that really plays into it. And I understanding that now they're getting support. No one's bleeding out the zone. They're not hung out to dry. How many two-on-ones are we seeing the D man from Winnipeg Jets face on a nightly basis? I probably can't remember one in the last three games, right? So when you're not facing two-on-ones, you're facing three-on-threes, you're allowed to be more aggressive, stand up on the play, force a dump, right? All those kind of things lead to everyone feeling better about their game, but understanding where to go and where not to go, right? But I can't remember last time a Winnipeg that defenseman pinched and didn't have support through the middle by the F3 coming back and the two other forwards tracking. But we're not seeing that uh, disconnect between forwards and D. That, that five-man unit is tight, and hopefully we haven't jinxed it. And next game we're going to see a pile of two on ones. <laughs> but I think you know we're not seeing that from the Winnipeg Jets. They're, they're tight defensively, but it starts from the offense out. So it's it's a quite quite a turnaround. But the identity is sticking through thick and thin. Well, you know that identity is the word I was just about to bring up. I mean, they have an identity as a team. Um, you know, a character kind of off the ice. And as you mentioned, winning is fun, and they're having a lot of fun right now. Um, and listen, we've seen a team not quite in as lofty a spot. They've never been where they are right now, but close. And last season was a perfect example of that. And then things kind of went off the rails. Now, I think we all agree this is a very different team. We've just sort of laid it out. Um, then anyone that was thinking that, you know, New Year's Eve was uh, midnight in the Cinderella story and this was going to revert, saw last night the way they battled against the Tampa Bay Lightning, a very good team, and got a win. That being said, Vish, going on the road, you got three and four right now against some teams that, you know, are lower down in the standings. Um, and then a four game homestand right now. What are the biggest challenges for the Winnipeg Jets in maintaining this? Um, you know, continuing through this next, and we'll just talk about the period up until the All Star break because of the way that the the schedule sort of uh, uh, you know uh, chopped up. Yeah, you know. Managing people's ice times, I think we're starting to see that fourth line get a few more shifts, uh, you know, game by game. If they continue to do what they're doing. Well, and they're deserving it, Beach. I mean, yeah, it, it's, it's hard not but, to. And that's a I good mean, sign. I'm not sure that would have happened in the past if the line was playing the way that they were. Yeah, correct. And, and I think just giving them two more shifts a, a game, right? Maybe it's late in the third. We, we saw late in the third period last night that fourth line was out, right? Uh, you know, with a two-goal lead. Normally, we don't see that. So having a confidence in them, that'll take – maybe one shift off a of Mark Shifley that d- doesn't wear him and grind him down that night. And if you can get those minutes to, you know, 
nine to 12 for that fourth line, that means your first line is more like 18. So when they're going, they're going, you know, they're not having to pace themselves because they're up in the 22, 24 minute range. And because once you get there, that the next five weeks become a grind. So really managing ice time, I think is going to be important for the Winnipeg Jets and rest and recovery. This is going to be that, you know, West Coast grind where time changes, uh, you know, long flights, they're going to have to be smart on recovery. And I think it's going to be very important. They've gotten their, you know, off on the right foot to continue that right foot right from the start. Well, it's uh, it's the dad's trip. And as Neil Pionk said, uh, they're traveling with 30 coaches. Um, <laughs> yeah. So um, it'll be uh, it'll be important to keep what's going on right now. Vij, always great having you on the program. Um, what's going on at the Hockey Academy? How's everything with you heading into uh, to 2024? Yeah, really good. You know, we finished off 2023 on a real good note, starting off 2024 a couple of days ago. Uh, we've been up and at it on the ice. We are in Carmen on tomorrow for a clinic. We are back on the ice tomorrow evening in St. Norbert Arena, bringing our lawn johns as one cold rink. Um, but then we have in our spring lineup starts April 1st, seven weeks of development. Uh, you know, we're looking to be upwards in 120 kids a week, uh, seeing them twice a week. So we're going to look to have some fun. Um, and continue to grow. Our summer lineup should be out the next 10 to 15 days. And, you know, we're just looking to continue to have fun. I'm a big kid. I got to get on the ice. I might not be quite as skilled as I used to, or the conditioning is not quite as good as it used to be. <laughs> but we love to go out there and have fun. Yeah, you can find out more at VJ Hockey. Um, and that sounds like chaos, to be honest with you. That many kids going Absolute chaos, but it's so fun. Um, hey, speaking of chaos, just before we go, um, you know, my pal Dustin Nielsen uh, from the lock shop was calling me at the Spangler Cup, and I got thinking about you and your experiences at the Spangler. Um, for folks that maybe have just caught it flicking around TV, I mean, what is the Spangler experience like from your memories, both for a player and, you know, what you saw going on around you as you tried to win that tournament? So you figure it's a week-long tournament, and it is party central. This community normally has three or 4,000 people in it in the winter. Well, during this week to 10 day stretch, there's probably about 30 or 40,000 people in the community. So the, they're skiing in the slopes all day. They come watch hockey games. There's what they call hot tents where they sell hot wine and people just hang out like an outdoor social there and just have a great time. And now you're focusing on the oldest professional hockey tournament in, in, in the world right now. You picture when little kids go to tournament and they play five games in four days. Now you picture a bunch of 30-year-old men trying to play five hockey games in four and a half hockey days to win a gold medal. This is probably one of the hardest tournaments you're ever going to play in because you finished your semifinals at 10 o'clock the, that night, and the next day you're playing the finals at noon. So that turnaround is insane. We watch players lose somewhere between 8 and 10 pounds uh, of weight during that week. It is such a, a drag and such a grind of a tournament, but it's such a great atmosphere and so much fun. I got medals, hats, and banners all over the house of that tournament. And if you want to go catch a cool tournament, besides World Juniors, is good. This Spangler Cup tournament, the rink is old. It's all wood. People are chanting the whole game. They don't even know what the score is. They're just chanting. They have these sing-along things that they do. It is insane. For 6,000 people in the rink, it sounds like it's 20. Well, you know what? I've obviously have had a chance to see the World Juniors here in Canada, but uh, bucket list items are Spangler and the Holidays and the world championships when it's over in Europe at one of those places. Uh, but what's it like for being a Canadian, like as a Canadian player, just quickly fill us in on the process because these guys are all playing on different teams. I mean, when do you get the call? How does it work? And how much time do you guys have to get ready for teams that have been playing together throughout the year? 
Yeah, and that's the challenge is some some players uh, get picked up starting you know middle of November, early December. Hockey Canada starts to make a team. They've identified their staff and they piece away team of players all over Europe. Some are playing in the American League. So we really have 25 players coming together. And there's a couple of years I missed the first game and just showed up for the second because of scheduling and stuff like that. So really guys are just coming in and trying to make a team out of 25 guys from all over the place. Uh, it's quite a, an event. It's quite exciting, uh, the energy that comes into it. Uh, you know, I never had the opportunity to wear the Maple Leaf flag till the Spangler Cup. So it's always a great honor. But what fun it is. Uh, I can't say, I don't know how they do it so fast, uh, but the team always seems to get better as the tournament goes on. 2024 resolution. We're shutting the VJ Hockey Academy down for a few days. Remo and Connor can take over the show. And we're going back to Switzerland for the Spangler. I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> Vij, have a great one. Happy New Year to you and uh, your whole team there at VJ Hockey. Look forward to doing this again. And uh, thanks as always. We love having you on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Sounds good, guys. We'll talk soon. Thank you. All right. Great stuff with Vij. Marat's jumping on in just a couple of minutes. And uh, Connor Rabchak pumping on. And uh, we'll do a little roundtable later on towards the end of the show. Uh, hey, gang, New Year. And that means some new resolutions. And if you're looking to uh, maximize the uh, benefits to your health, might I suggest an early 2024 trip down to Vita Health Fresh Market, where you'll find great prices on natural and organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries, and Winnipeg's largest selection of local products, too. Um, you know, supplements can help you in many ways. And um, Canada's number one line of men's health supplements, Prairie Naturals, are available at all Vita Health stores. Um, pick up Prairie Naturals and help address prostate health, andropause, low libido, low testosterone, stress, male energy, and performance. And of course, when you're shopping at Vita Health, you're supporting a great local company, family owned and operated since 1936. Vita Health, empowering people to lead healthy lives. Six Winnipeg locations and online at myvita.ca. Our friends at Wallace & Wallace entered 2024. Another year is the fencing and overhead door specialist in town serving residential and commercial customers since 1946. And we know what that forecast says coming up next week. That's right, it's getting cold. And hey, winter puts much more stress on your garage door. The right time to prevent downtime this winter is now. Call Wallace & Wallace to book your inspection and maintenance service call today for residential and commercial overhead door sales and service. There's only one name or two you need to know, and that is <laughs> Wallace & Wallace. And hey, um, speaking of getting into the new year looking good, Guys, if you uh, look into the closet and realize uh, that for this year you uh, might need to upgrade yourself in the menswear department, get on down to Winnipeg's own F Apparel at 190 Smith Street. The best prices in town on custom-made suits to make you feel and look great, beginning at just 400 bucks, along with chinos, golf pants, custom shirts, both tucked and untucked styles, and an incredible selection of menswear accessories you won't find anywhere else. Get on down there, 190 Smith Street, and you can find out more and make an appointment at F, that's EPHapparel.com. Don't forget, 15% discount for wedding parties as well if you need to get your suits for the big day and keep them afterwards to wear them throughout. All right, um, this is going to be quite a bit of fun. Our weekly visit with Murata Tesh 
And there's a lot going on around the Jets these days. The team's winning. The vibes are high. Spoke about, you know, and, and let's face it, some of the biggest stories in the media room last night were Neil Pionk's goal, the upcoming mentors trip. And if you ask Rick Bonus, well, potentially Murata Tesh's hair. Listen to this one from last night's post game. This is um, probably the first time in, I don't know, a month where Shifley's line didn't dominate flow of play. So they, were, they were in their zone, in our zone, <laughs> a little bit too much. So we made the switch with Vladdy and then him going into the third. You figure you'll go right back to them based on their success? We'll, we'll see. <laughs> Fair play. Power play coming closer. Did you ever to see you that think? episode of Seinfeld with the hair, with the barber? <laughs> That's what it reminds me of. <laughs> I gotta look that up now. I can um, tell you that. Anyways, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> um, I want. Oh, Bones and Marat. Bones loves. You know, Bones has great hair, and so does Marat. And even better for today. I think maybe you took this one to heart from the uh, Seinfeld reference last night. Marat, come on in. Looking like a million U.S. tax free as always. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for having me. I, I want to thank my hair team, Haley Penner. Uh, I would like to thank my dad for leaving his old shirt at my house and Bones for being a funny, funny man with honestly great hair. Uh, it, well, and that's a, I think that's why I think he may, as a guy with, at his age, the lid that he brings to the table every day, I think maybe he felt that, you know, you uh, crossed him or something like that by actually getting a haircut. <laughs> you know, He's, he's tapped me on the back after scrums. Like, we've talked about this a couple of times now, and he's, he just wants to make it very clear he likes that it's cleaned up, you know, because it was getting a little long. It was getting a little shaggy. <laughs> so here we go. It's like John Lewis's suits. Uh, you know what? I mean, it, 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 it was such a funny moment, and there's been a couple of them lately. But it, it, in a lot of ways, Murad, I think it speaks to, um, you know, where – this team is at um and we all know how much fun winning is this team's been doing a lot of winning the team's having a lot of fun and even the coach is having a lot of fun with the assembled local media when he hits the microphone yeah i mean they won again right like you know how how do you even begin to differentiate between wins at this point they go was it 10 one and two in the month of december uh, 1-0 and so far in, in January. It's been a long time since we've watched them struggle. And when they're having a good time, when everybody who's there wants to be there, and you mentioned that earlier in the show, I think that's a really important point to make this season. And then they're having success. They're scoring the goals. Everybody's getting them. And everybody's helping out and, and being a part of it. I think that you do get to kick back and remember that, you know, the National Hockey League is the best league in the world. And, you know, you get to enjoy that too. What a great time for uh, the Jets to be heading to California with the dads and mentors on that mentors trip. And, um, you know, it was interesting. You know, Rick talked about, you know, his father at the end of the uh, the scrum. I think it was Rennie that asked him uh, but what a big mentor he is. And uh, I'm sure there'll be plenty of dads on the trip. Um, of course, not everyone has their dad around. It was really cool to see Josh Morrissey bring his brother Jake. Um but the timing of this is everything. I can think of like, you know, previously, you know, some of the mom's trips for the Jets or other teams have gone and the team gets in a slump and there's all sorts of noise around the team. This this literally could not be a better time for um, 
I think those guys to go out on a short trip that has a lot packed into it. Um, but with as Neil Pionk said, 30 extra coaches on the plane. Yeah, all of them with an opinion on the power play, I'm sure, having ideas on how to get it going. Um, Neil Pionk is one of the sneaky, funny Winnipeg Jets. I think he gets a little bit lost in the shuffle of uh, of the big personalities because he can be a little bit direct media-wise. Like, he just keeps it to hockey. Away from, uh, you know, once he does get kind of going, he's one of the funniest Jets, I think. Um, so that was pretty cool. I also got to say, Hus, like, credit to the Jets – um, you know, for formally calling it a mentor's trip and for Rick Bonus even mentioning it. He, I think he just he added it to somebody's question last night too, saying, hey, mentor's trip. It's not just the dads, um, because, you know, we know that, you know, it's not every Winnipeg Jet has their father. I mean, we've, they've experienced uh, they've experienced tragedy. Uh, if you look around, uh, you know, Winnipeg, not every not every person doing anything has has their father with them. And to have male mentors of, of various types and stripes uh, accompanying the Jets, I think is a really classy move. And I just can't help but think about Josh Morrissey bringing his brother Jake um, and and to have talked to Josh about shooting on Jake when they were kids and he's a few years older. So they start with the foam pucks and eventually they switch to, you know, proper rubber pucks. And he's he's laughing at how many pucks they probably left in between the drywall of, uh, of their old house in Calgary. And the the fact that playing together in the WHL for part of one season was one of the absolute hockey highlights of his life. I mean, yeah, look at them. There's a, they've got the same hair, actually, don't they? <laughs> While we're on that topic. <laughs> Wonder if Bones is going to give them any, any of the business. <laughs> yeah, except Josh is always clean, right? Um, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be a, a move off of the norm for him. He's he's cleaned up well. Looks like he's recovered from uh, his uh, facial mishap right before Christmas that impacted his Christmas card. Um, but listen, I mean, he and, and and everyone pulling on the same rope right now. And I mean, there's a lot of ways that we go. You mentioned the power play. I joked to a friend last night that you know the Jets are not scoring on the power play just to give Winnipeggers one thing that they can constantly complain about because i mean that's what we do in this city right now i'm hard to pick it too much other than a lack of success on the power play right now um but what did you think of the power play last night um like obviously i mean even the best power play score you know once out of every third time i mean tampa's got one of the best in the league i think they were at 28 or 29 percent are we, is it coming around? Are the goals on the doorstep right now? Or is there still stuff in your, in, is there still things in your mind that um, need to considerably improve if they're going to, you know, start moving up that ladder and get closer to the middle of the pack? Yeah, there was one power play last night that I think nothing was happening on. And you sort of wondered, okay, are they falling on old habits? They're not seeing what they want. The, I think there were a couple that were actually pretty effective. And, you know, in the few days since Bonus basically said, we've got to change what we're doing here. Um, one of the things that you've seen a lot of is they're working it over to Nikolai Ehlers on that right wing flank a little bit more often than they used to do. And he's attacking downhill. It opens up when he's, you know, when he's attacking his lane towards the net, he's a shooting threat. Um, he's changing the angle because he's skating. So he's got passing threats that open up. That's one of the new things that you've seen. And he's been shooting. Last night, I think his first touch was a shot a couple of times as well. And that's opened up some things. Um, they've moved players around and kept them in motion during the power play too. So it's not just 
I don't know, Nikolai Ehlers goes to Shifley's spot and then parks there. There's actual movement and flow that happens within that. I think that that's opened some looks up as well. Josh Morrissey made a couple of great passes yesterday. Um, my favorite moment of the power play, I know they did just miss backdoor, I think Morrissey to, I'm not sure who, was it Velarde driving the net? But one of my favorite moments of, of last night was that, uh, that, I want to call it the drop step. Not everybody seems to be basketball savvy. Not even all the hockey players are calling it a drop step. But when Gabriel Velarde is on the left wing side of the boards, he's behind the goal line, he takes the puck on his forehand, and then he does a drop step into the middle of the ice. Um, He attacked the net last night and then had the presence of mind not to go all the way across the net, but to bring it back. It was a little bit of a fake where he sort of sold Vasilevsky on one idea and then pulled it back the other way. I, I thought that was one of the most clever plays because you you never really see that particular variation. He opened up a, a part of the net to shoot at and he just wasn't able to get it done. So there was some stuff to like about the power play. Um, and, you know, as always, power play two is a little bit more willing to be direct. And, uh, and I like what we've seen from them. Uh, are they shooting enough? I think they're getting closer to shooting enough. Yeah. I think that last night they were, it, it seemed to be a focus to shoot early in the possession. I agree. Yeah. I think, and I think bonus even commented on that after the game as well. So they seem to be happy with it. I, I mean, yeah, it does seem to be a trend of, uh, and who knows? I mean, this has been, I mean, when we look back at December <laughs> and again, if you'd said, Hey, the team's going to lose one game in regulation, who's it going to be to kind of gone over this before it probably wouldn't have been San Jose. And listen, sometimes things don't go your way that night. Um, but maybe these teams in the Pacific division might be a little cure to uh, get some, uh, some good momentum going on the score sheet for the power play. Um, but they did talk about better momentum because there's nothing that can suck momentum away from a team than a dismal power play that can really energize a team that's on the kill. And we had seen that in the past, certainly through the months of December, although it didn't affect the Jets too much in the end results in the standings. Yeah, I think it's a problem when half of Twitter erupts into the same decline the penalty joke you know, when, when somebody goes to the box, like that is, that is a sign that things have not been going well. When that's the first thought on everybody's mind, whether they mean it or not. Um, I also thought, you know, if you go into those Neil Pionk quotes from last night, where he's talking about everybody bought in and everybody's playing well, he specifies five on five a few times in his excellent answer about what's going well and um, how they're, how they're working as a team in all facets of the game at five on five. And I think it's clear that uh, as a team, they know what the the next part of their evolution is going to require. Um, I guess people are probably sick of people like me saying, if that's one of your problems, that's an okay thing because you like to believe it could get better. Five on five has been pretty good. Um, yeah, I guess nowhere to go but up from here, presumably. Maybe one of the dads has the answer. Yeah, well, uh, as I said, <laughs> Something tells me that might come up in some conversations with the uh, the dads and mentors over the course of uh, a little while. Um, I, I do. I don't want to get bogged down and get into this Hartman stuff right away because that can certainly, if the early part of today's show and yesterday is any indication, that can just take us down a rabbit hole and then we're done. But specifically, where we're at right now, getting into the new year, post this game, heading on to the road. I wanted to ask you about the defense pairings. And we know what the numbers are. I mean, this team just isn't giving up any goals. Um, how how pair, Pairing for pairing, 
how are things trending right now? Or is any ones that are going up, any ones that, you know, maybe their results haven't been as good lately? Um, or is it pretty much more the same as we've seen, much like what they're doing in the uh, in the standings with the, uh, with the wins that have been coming lately? For me, I kind of want to preface the whole whatever is about to come out of my mouth with this, with the idea that things are going well. I don't, I, I think it's zooming into the minutia, like when there's a first overall pick all year, you know who it's going to be. And then you start picking apart their game. I think Winnipeg's playing well. And I think a huge part of why Winnipeg's defense pairs are playing well are, is exactly what JP Vijay was just talking about. When was the last time somebody pinched without F3 coverage? The coverage is there. The forwards are there. You have forwards willing to, commit to that zone defense and protect the middle of the ice. You have Nino Niederreiter last night from the weak, weak side winger spot, reading the play perfectly, dropping low and taking away a seam pass from Kucherov to, I think it was Hedman, Hedman dropping. And it might've been a forward though, come to think of it. But the weak side wingers making the reads that they need to make to kill plays as well. That's going to make everybody look good. And with that kind of team play, I don't think Winnipeg needs to go big game hunting to upgrade that that sixth group of D that they've got there. Um, that said, there was chaos last night a little bit. And before Neil Pionk made that great cut out of the corner and that perfect redirection off of Brendan Dillon's pass, he'd made a couple of giveaways. There was a there was a, a pad tap moment from from Winnipeg as as Pionk made a giveaway that led to a brief one on O rush and Connor Hellebuck had to glove a puck down. There are moments of chaos, but I think that. All three pairings can handle what you throw at them. All three of them can handle the role that they play with the quality of team team defense that Winnipeg plays right now. So I think there's a lot of confidence that that, that group should have in itself. You know, uh, inevitably, you know, the calendar turns and we start looking ahead to the trade deadline. Um at the beginning of the year, I mean, it was, oh, they need to, they need to add, you know, a impact player on the blue line. That was the, by far the number one priority and then a gap. And then we can think about other things with the way that the team has played overall, the results that have followed um, and certainly the results for the defensemen so far through 36 games or whatever it is. We've heard more conversations about a two C uh, a second line center to come in and fortify that forward group and the top six. Right now, and I'm sure this answer might change in two weeks or a month, but right now, Murat, if you're Kevin Dayoff and you're thinking about, you know, you've got the opportunity to go for one real impact player, either a top four defenseman or a top six center, what do you think would help the Winnipeg Jets more, not necessarily now, but come playoff time? I think it depends on who that player is and what chemistry is is found. But you know, for me, give Elias, give Winnipeg Elias Lindholm at at his best. And I know some of the underlying numbers aren't as good as usual in Calgary, but a lot of what happened in the very beginning of Calgary was, I think, it's the sort of situation that that drains numbers. And I think that Elias Lindholm still has it. Um, so that's the type of player where you can count on his two-way game. Uh, you're ideally looking for an upgrade face-offs wise as well. I'm not saying face-offs are the driver of the decision. It's what happens after that. But Winnipeg's power play could use some face-offs. Winnipeg's even strength situation could use some face-offs as well. Um, and for me, if you can add one more dynamic forward into that group, 
that uh, that is humming along such that all four lines are, are uh, an absolute threat out there. And then it's not just, you know, does Tony Nato come out for Kupari? It's what do you do with Tony Nato and Kupari because, or oh, and Gustafsson because um, all of a sudden your fourth line is so stacked, Nemestikov's got to play on it. I think that's, I think a lot of that is luxury. Um, but if you can find that two-way top six forward who can play a gritty game as well, I mean, I want to say Nazem Kadri at his peak, but I don't think he's close enough to his peak for that to be a relevant conversation. And then you got contract stuff as well. Another player type who I would like for Winnipeg, um, and this one, I, I can't find the name to go with it, would be Matthias Ekholm of last year, where Winnipeg's defense can handle the job it's got to do, but one more like absolute pain in the ass to play against um, might go a long way, I think, if the Jets are sizing up a, a long run. You know, I, I've got really nothing to say but good things about the way Nate Schmidt's played so far this year. And, and listen, I know he makes a lot of money. That ain't changing any at all, folks. Um, if that was the case, do you think this ends up with Morrissey DeMello, Brendan Dillon, and defenseman X from another team, and then Pionk and Sandberg become that 5-6 pairing? I mean, there's a lot to like about that. That's for sure. Um, Pionk uh, is having a, an effective season, even with the chaos. But if you can bump him down to that level of competition, that's luxury. Um, I think you can have confidence in him and Dylan Sandberg to have success as well. Sandberg and Schmidt have been a really great pairing. And you talked about it earlier. Based on the fact that third pairing life is easier than the top four, okay, so what? Or Schmidt gets paid a lot of money, okay, so what? Are they winning their minutes? And yeah, they are. They absolutely are. So you like that. And I think that Dylan Sandberg, as a big part of your PK, a reasonably big body, not not an absolute punishing person out there, but certainly uh, plays physical enough, block shots, all those sorts of things. If you keep him in that third pair mix and, and then put him with Pionk, and that's that's the type of luxury that you're working with, I think um, Nate Schmidt in that scenario would be an ideal person to have uh, coming in from the press box as needed. And that's before you even get in at Chisholm or Stanley or whatever else that you might need. And I think that would be a tremendous amount of depth if that top four option playing with Dylan was a genuine upgrade, not just somebody who, you know, not just a face puncher because it's the playoffs, but somebody who could uh, play on the offensive side of the puck too, um, move the puck up of the ice, jump into plays, gap well, all that stuff. I mean, if that guy's for real then Winnipeg's absolutely cooking from top to bottom, plus their depth, and you like that kind of mix. Well, and that's the funny thing right now because, I mean, I can't really sit here and make an argument that the Jets need anything. Um, I think their record speaks for itself in the way they're playing night in and night out. But I think we all know that um, if this team wants to achieve the the goals that it has and make a long playoff run, yeah, a lot of those playoff games and the teams you're playing, excuse me, <clears throat> might not be like the regular season just heading into the midway point. And, I mean, listen, we all know it's a good place to be in right now. where They're not going to be forced into anything. But I am quite interested in, you know, in people's perspectives on, you know, big picture long term, where might an ad come um, and what might be most beneficial to a team come Stanley Cup playoff hockey, which despite the way the Winnipeg Jets are playing, and I don't think they'd want to do much different coming into the playoffs, 
we know that everything around those games is a little different than game 36 of the regular season. You know what I honestly think, Huss? Like, when I really... I know, you know, I, I think it was Rennie who said, well, he's heard that there's uh, there's some big game hunting to be had or what have you, so I've been getting asked about that today. I know that that would be a tempting thought. I, I also know that, you know, Winnipeg Jets having this kind of success... Um, at this particular moment in their in their cycle, going for it makes a tremendous amount of sense. If you can find a way to improve the team, do it, absolutely. But one of the things that I think is a, a, the biggest test for the Jets is coming up this month. Like last night was the first time in ages where we haven't seen that top line dominate. It was like Brandon Hagel and Braden Point and Victor Hedman was getting the best of Winnipeg's top line, okay. That's probably a one-off. They've been they've been amazing. Winnipeg's top line has so that's probably been a one-off. But we know what happened last year, this month, towards the end of it, is that a little bit of the wheels came off of the Winnipeg Jets. And one of the best stories of of Winnipeg this season is it gives up nothing for free. Those games you think they should be satisfied in, they're not. Those games that you think, okay, the schedule's not aligning, maybe you won't see a great effort. Well, their game is good enough, and they're they're winning those games. For me. Proving that during this section of the season where it's after Christmas, before the trade deadline, there's another gear being hit. Play is tightening up just a little bit. Certainly there's a stretch run to go and the playoffs are at another level yet. But if they can slay this dragon, if they can you know, defeat the enemies that are January for the Winnipeg Jets with the group that they have, I am tempted, and I think this goes against the grain right now, but I'm tempted to say what the, the, the answers are in the room. And I wasn't I was not prepared to be saying that in September of this year, sizing up the ever-growing cap space that the Jets should have. It's funny you say that because last night, I think it was Ken, I was checking out KNR afterwards, and Ken, I thought, made a really good point in that, you know, at this type of year, I mean, listen, if there's a if there's an elite top six player or, you know, a big-time defenseman, I mean, those players are few and far in between. I mean, the majority of the players that you see moved at the deadline, you know, are are like we saw last year. I mean, Nino Niederreiter, Vlad Demetstikov, and maybe the most impactful one that Ken brought up was Barbashev. Barbashev at time was playing on the fourth line, you know, it, with the with the Vegas Golden Knights. He also played higher up and was able to do that. Um, and then he cited like what Axel Janssen Fjallby's doing right now. And the way Dominic Toninato has performed when he has been in the lineup. And it got me thinking, like, you know, you get those depth players to come in. It's kind of like with the L.A. trade and what's come from that. The Jets solved a lot of that depth that a lot of times teams are looking for at the deadline before we even drop the puck in game one. I got time for that. Absolutely. The depth is there. And I was kind of looking through last night's plays that led to goals, uh, just preparing for this. And one of the things that you see on, I think it was every Jets goal, is incredible presence of mind from a player involved in it that you wouldn't expect from somebody at that place in the depth chart. And what I mean, even on the empty net goal, I don't know if you remember it, but Morgan Barron has to backhand sauce the thing over a back-checking lightning player but you can tell, even though he doesn't like turn and look at, uh, and see that the guy's there, he knows the guy's coming. He knows the stick's going to be in the lane. And the ability to make sure that he makes that backhand sauce with composure into the empty net, you've got that. 
Earlier on the same play, Tony Nato in the neutral zone, also presence of mind. But Nemesnikov stopping a, stopping a puck and then having the presence of mind to move the puck up to a teammate in the neutral zone to, to create that. Like there are players who would try to create, but they wouldn't have the read of the ice and they'd be throwing that puck down the ice or they'd be throwing it in to the other team for a turnover. That was a play where Winnipeg's, you know, depth players all combined to do the right thing every step of the way up the ice against a good team under pressure. Nemesnikov winning that puck off of Vasilevsky and then having the presence of mind not just to stuff it on net, but to find the Ehlers, like heads up in that amount of, in the quickness of that turnover, there's a lot going on there. And I think that, or even Perfetti had the puck knocked off of his stick, but he kept fighting and he kept fighting through traffic to get the puck on net. And obviously I follow on his goal following up on Perfetti. I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of hockey sense up and down the lineup. There's a lot of two-way play up and down the lineup. And that's, those are the things that are making Winnipeg's depth look as impressive as it is. Like these guys aren't just there to eat time. They can create. Um, so I have a lot, a lot of uh, belief in in the Winnipeg Jets forward group right now. If you can find that Nemesnikov, for, or sorry, a, a Niederreiter for a second round pick, you know, I mean, type of deal that Dayoff pulled off last year, by all means, only make your team better. I just think that Winnipeg has a lot of what it, it needs in the room and um, that I, I, I'm like stunned by my own declaration because I wasn't sure. Uh, in the offseason, especially heading into it, that this would be the topic that I'd be thinking of right now. Yeah, and I mean, listen, without, you know, Kyle Connor right now, and obviously Kapari coming back up front at least, I mean, the team has been healthy. They've been very healthy on the blue line, and that can change in an instant. So, I mean, uh, this is a a conversation that we'll continue to have. Uh, We'll monitor it, but there certainly doesn't seem to be a massive glaring hole in the lineup at any level. Um, and I think it's a credit to everyone that's been around. You just brought up Cole Perfetti. Um, we'll get into what happened on the weekend in a second. Um, I thought he was just phenomenal last night. And, you know, considering, you know, I think what a lot of people's fears were about Cole, um, you know, baiting back to being moved from center after that Vegas game early on and sort of getting run a little bit. To come through that series against Minnesota with what had happened to him, with him being targeted, I thought he played one of his best games last night. And even more impressive, Marat, was, you know, the way he's not shying away from anything. He's Listen, he's not taking runs at guys. But, I mean, that one play that really stood out to me was him going around Victor Hedman and just putting his shoulder down, taking it to the net into a dangerous area. His confidence seems to be growing right now, and um, you know he's playing a little taller than uh, he might look like walking down the street. Yeah, a hundred percent he is, and I, I kind of want to ex- expand this this new peak of of Perfetti's development to the last five or six games as well. You know, we talked about all the various posts Winnipeg has hit over the last week or so. A lot of the Nemesnikov posts came off of plays from Perfetti. A lot of his great defensive numbers come from great plays at both blue lines. Mm-hmm. He's a heads-up player. And when he's going, you know, at Victor Hedman, like you describe, it's a it's not it's not like youthful stupidity. I don't know how good this guy is. I think with Cole Perfetti, it's I know exactly how good this guy is, but I also can find the pockets of space, you know, underneath the stick, or I can protect the puck. And I I think when you look back to training camp and right around there where he was getting hit from behind and all of that, 
I think some of that probably had an impact on him and how he wanted to approach the game. I also think some of that was timing stuff. I think that having missed as much of the game as he had for the, you know, at the end of last season into the off season, I think it was going to take a bit for that processor of his to make NHL pace to, to really start to carve it apart. And I think that we're on the precipice of that. He's making a lot of great plays and I think it's because his reads are that quick and he's finding little lanes, little pieces of space on the ice that players his size shouldn't be able to find, but he can because he's reading things really quickly. You know, all right. So speaking of Perfetti, and um, I, I thought you and uh, I think it was Joe Smith did a, did a great job kind of detailing all of this in The Athletic. People can go over and check that article um, at theathletic.com. Um, yesterday was a very interesting day. I mean, the weekend was, um, listen, it was great for the Winnipeg Jets to get those two wins. I mean, they answered every challenge, including Cole, who didn't back down at all after what happened early on. Um, But tell us about the revelation that we learned yesterday about the mic and what Hartman had said and your conversation. We played a clip, I don't know if you caught it earlier today, Elliot Friedman saying with Jeff Merrick earlier today that, you know, behind the scenes, the Jets are absolutely livid about what happened, the way that Perfetti was targeted, the fact that, you know, Hartman of all people went after him with only a fine for it. Um, what have your conversations been like around this topic with some of your colleagues? Um, and you're very close to the to the team. I mean, um, do you get that same sort of impression about Winnipeg uh, and their thoughts on it all and how that might affect a certain regular season game at Canada Life Centre on February 20th? Yeah, February 20th, I mean, had that I think has got to be a sellout. I mean, there, there, it's it's going to have to become one. Um, it's going to be a bit of a fireworky night, I imagine. I let, let, let me just do this chronologically in my own experience to try not to miss anything. So um, the room opens up yesterday, and I go in, and I've been speaking with Cole and with Morgan Barron for another piece. So I went straight over to that stall, and I was chatting with Morgan. And before Cole Perfetti went, to do his scrum where he, you know, in front of the camera said all that. He, he sort of confirmed to me that like, yeah, he, uh, that Hartman's voice was caught um, by, by the microphone. So he, he was aware. And then in the moment, just between that, me and that two second chat with Cole about that topic and him going to the scrum, um, Scott Brown of Winnipeg Jets PR pulled Perfetti and had a quick chat with him before he went out to do the main scrum. And I think when Elliot Friedman in that uh, in that clip that you played says that you know Winnipeg has some strong opinions about this, I just imagine that that was a good bit of PRing, making sure that Cole Perfetti knew you know the stakes of what was going on, and certainly he can speak for himself. But um, you know, here are the things that you need to to know. And I, I don't know, maybe that's some interesting behind the scenes stuff that that folks wouldn't have known from before the scrum. And then he goes out and he and he has it. And he's he seems very comfortable about it. Um, when I watch it. I think that he's very calm about it. He's not like telling tales out of school or anything like that. I think he's more amused than angry um, that Hartman was, you know, owning up to it on, on the microphone and, and everything like that. So, so, okay, fine. Um, but then the conversation with bonus happens in that, in, in his press. And he says that, well, Hey, you know what, if we had known um, it might've been handled a different way. And you know, that's one of the things I've been thinking about and trying to talk to people about over the last, you know, 48 hours or so is, well, like, how do people who grow up in a code inspired world really feel about this? 
And I think one of the biggest takeaways that I've had is that people are are absolutely livid and think that it is a bit of a joke that Cole Perfetti is eating a high stick of all people. He's not the biggest. He's not the strongest. He had nothing to do with the play. He wasn't even on the ice when Kaprizov took the cross checks. Um, He's not even the most famous star. If you're looking for a superstar in the Winnipeg Jets and you want to hurt him because Kaprizov got hurt, I mean, that's not Cole Perfetti yet either. That's Mark Scheifele or Kyle Connor who got need. Um, or you go down the list, right? I mean, it seems senseless that it is Perfetti eating a, cro- or a high stick specifically as retaliation and retribution. And that's what I keep coming back to. I think that the Jets know that Minnesota is going to be a tough game and a tough out. And there's a certain amount of begrudging respect there. But I think when it comes to Perfetti being the target, I think it's uh, I think it's a little bit laughable. And I don't think anybody I've spoken to has argued with me on that part. No, and I mean, listen, I, I think there obviously always was some respect, and there still is some, but I think it's a lot less than it maybe was before Sunday. And say what you will about Hartman. I mean, I've called him a rat before. I mean, he's been fined seven times now and suspended three times. That's as chicken shit a move as I've seen in the National Hockey League in a long, long time. And, you know, he can fight his battles. I mean, we all know what happened when he took that run at Nikolai Ehlers as well. And I don't, I think we're kind of seeing a common denominator here of a guy that, um, and whether this is from the team or whether this is just Ryan Hartman, I mean, I, I don't have a lot of evidence to say it's anyone but him because of these two particular incidents. But as I said, I've been looking for that copy of the code lately and it's been tough to find, but I'm not sure that running the uh, the smallest, or in this case, a small young player, um, where that, like what chapter of the code that is, because for the most part, I think people have thought that it was a, uh, um, was way over the line and frankly ridiculous and does not look good on Hartman and certainly or the Minnesota Wild. So Feb 20, what do you think happens? Um, and we all saw VL get called up for the game on Sunday, which got people, um, you know, kind of, I don't necessarily up in arms. He never even played in the game. But might we see a call-up and an activation of a VL or a Bauer for that game? Or will this have quieted down a little bit by then? I have a feeling it doesn't because of everything that we heard yesterday, especially from Bones. Yeah, I don't think it quiets down. I don't think that any of the the heat goes away. Um, this goes back, right? This is not a one-off game situation. Yeah. It's not what happened this weekend. It includes Hartman's run on Ehlers last year and whatever Minnesota was upset about at that time. It includes Logan Stanley kind of like hitting and then falling on Kaprizov to injure him last year as well, too. Um, Like there is bad blood that goes back a while. So that's not dissipating by February 20th. My big thing is like, how is it going to go forward? And what's it going to look like when we see it? I think... What do I think? What is my actual honest opinion about this? I think that one of the, I think it, I think one of the most gutless things to do in a situation where everybody knows violence is on the way is to go through the back door of violence. Like you see that fight between Pat Maroon and Adam Lowry at the start of the game. I think there's respect in that. I think that there's, whatever crazy sport this is where you get to interrupt it to punch each other for a while 
Everybody seems to be on the same page about that. There's a cultural agreement. It happens. Do you want to fight? Yes, let's do this. They go. Um, I think Brendan Dillon would have felt similarly about Middleton's run at him. You know, that's a fight that I think he would not have been shocked by. But you go back to, I think, what's really angering Winnipeg in this situation is Hartman went through the back door of violence to high stick perfetti in the face off the off the face off, which isn't, you know, the consequence of it is relatively minor. You go back to last time Hartman hurt a Winnipeg Jets player to run a guy in the middle of the ice away from the puck on a play that has nothing to do with the hockey that's being played. That's also what I'm, I continue to call the backdoor of violence. That's unsuspecting stuff. That's like that's a knife in the back instead of in the chest sort of deal, to, just to use movie terminology. And I think that that type of gutlessness is what I will be looking to see if there is that more of it on February 20th or not. I think the best thing Winnipeg could do is do it through the front door, um, offer people fights, win those fights if they can, all that sort of stuff, and then bury them on the score sheet as well. Because um, if it becomes a thing where guys are getting suspended all the time, well, Winnipeg's further ahead in the standings. Winnipeg probably has more to lose. And I think I'd want to consolidate top spot in the conference before settling cheap scores <laughs> like that. Yeah, no, I, I I can't disagree with you. Um, well, we've got just over, I guess, six weeks or so until that happens. Uh, and I have a feeling this will not be the last time it is discussed on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Marat, uh, have a great one. Uh, you want to fill us in on uh, anything uh, exciting for Jet fans coming up in the Athletics soon? Yeah, um, yeah. Thanks for having me. As as always, um, we've got yeah, we've got we got some stories coming up. Um, there's one about a, a dad in particular that I'd like to tell pretty soon. I think there's a lot of good stuff going on on that front. Um, I. I'm the worst salesperson ever. I look at people on on Twitter and on your show all the time, and I'm like, they can sell a 200-word story better than I sell something I worked for months on, and I got to get better at that. But, uh, yeah, there's good stuff coming, and, and I hope that you'll enjoy it. Well, your, uh, your batting average is pretty damn good <laughs> over at The Athletic, so uh, we will look forward to it. Um, hey, have a great uh, uh, a great week. And uh, Joy's staying up for these late night games. And uh, we'll look forward to catching up next week in the middle of a big homestand where hopefully we can continue to see some positive trends at the gate and in the seats uh, as well. Uh, have a great one, Murat. Always great. And uh, it, it, shout out to your stylist today for uh, the, the special <laughs> look for a WST today. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks, everybody. Good stuff. There's Murat Atesh at WPG Murat. And make sure you're subscribing and checking out The Athletic for all of his work. Hey, shout out to Brad Roy. Yo, hey, great to get a chance to catch WST almost live again. What a year so far. Belated best of the season and new year to all. Brad, great stuff. And thank you very much for the super chat. Um, All right, we're going to, I'm sure, get back to this topic uh, in just a moment. Um, but hey, I got to give a big, big thanks to our friends over at Little Brown Jug. Don't forget, gang, the crisp, refreshing, generic lager, not only available at Canada Life Center along with 1919, as Little Brown Jug is now a great partner of the Winnipeg Jets and available at Craft Beer Corner. Um, 
But for $19.99, you can get a pack, an eight pack of Tall Boys at your local vendor or frankly, wherever sells great beer. Check out the little brown jug display at your local beer store the next time you're in. Make sure you check out Craft Beer Corner and grab a generic or 1919 the next time you're at a jet game. And when you got time, pop down to the brewery and tap room down on William Avenue and try them all right off the tap and pick out your little brown jug favorites. Mm -hmm. um, hey, a happy new year to the gang at Royal Sports. I know there's a lot of excited Jet fans right now um, that maybe have a little more... A uh, little more confidence in their choice for uh, maybe their next Jet jersey. Of course, we are going to see the RCAF jerseys again on our next WST night for uh, January 27th when the Jets are taking on the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, you can get all the jerseys, all the best in Jets merchandising, including a bunch of exclusives you won't find anywhere else at Royal Sports 750 Pemina Highway. While you're at it, check out their bomber section. NFL, just in time for the playoffs. MLB, NBA, and so much more. And, of course, when you're thinking hockey, you think of Royal Sports as the sports superstore. 12 months a year, but uh, also snowboards, boots, bindings. They've got it all. you got to get down Royal Sports, 750 Pemina Highway, and check them out at Royal Sports Pemina on Instagram for the latest merchandise drops and sale information. Now, listen, kind of a slow night tonight uh, with only two games in the National Hockey League. We'll get to the cool bet lines in a minute. Uh, but tomorrow, Friday, two great opportunities to get together with the gang and your, at your local Boston Pizza and then see the Jets go at it. Late games, 9.30 on, on Thursday. That means you'll just get to take advantage of the late night happy hour at that time from 9 to 12. No better place to catch the Jets than Boston Pizza, ice cold schooners, world famous BP wings, gourmet pizzas, and so much more. And hey, you can always make an order to get it hot and fast to your home at at uh, bostonpizza.com. Um, all right, let's get uh, Remo back in here for a minute. <clears throat> Great stuff with Murat. And you told me that he was going to get a special look today based on uh, Mur uh, best, based on Bones' comments yesterday. But he really did nail the, uh, the Seinfeld look for uh, today's show. Yeah, Murat's been coming on, you know, with long hair, uh, you know, beard for a while, lengthy, you know, Let's it go, doesn't get his hair cut that often. And he shows up at the Jets press conference, you know, a couple of weeks ago with freshly cut hair. He debuted it on this show and it was just a new look. And Rick Bonus caught off guard. I think when he was answering the question, he's like, Hey, what's what's going on here? And shows up looking, you know, the hair combed down. I think someone asked in Chad, Hey, did Marat just get out of the shower and saw a couple low flow pressure shower head? comments in the chat and anyone who watched uh, Seinfeld episode knows what we're talking about and yeah here here's the picture of Jerry admiring his new hair so shout out to Murad and uh, Haley I saw in chat as well for uh, playing it up so <laughs> nicely done nicely done uh, you know Murat is uh, oh, listen he's uh, one of our faves uh, always great having him on the on the show and um, you know, took it to another level today with the uh, with the special look. All right, normally we try and get into this on Monday, but obviously Monday was a holiday. Yesterday was a crazy day with all the fallout from the weekend Minnesota series. But as we've done for the last couple of weeks, let's uh, make it a three box and welcome back Remus. And of course, 
The third member of the squad, Connor Rabchak, who has been killing it with the uh, Jets this week. A lot of momentum for Jets this week. And um, we can partially thank the team, but also thank you, Connor. A great response for it. And uh, uh, another new high. Not surprising coming out of this weekend with so much to talk about after the sweep of the Minnesota Wild. Oh, yeah. People are fired up. They want to watch every bit of content, read every article, Everything to do with the team right now. People want to see it. And uh, yeah, they've been so much fun to put together. So I'm glad people are are tuning in. Um, the response has been terrific. And uh, yeah, tune in. They play Sunday night this week. So Monday morning, I'll have uh, episode 11 right back at you. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, really? Okay. I'll have to be oh, up. Okay. <laughs> I'll be up late to make sure that one, it's that a, one works. It's a 6 o'clock can, game. Luckily, it's not yeah. like the 9.30 oh, okay. game. That, that would yeah. really suck. But yeah, it's a 6 o'clock game, our time, uh, against the Coyotes. Um, and of course, you know, San Jose, Anaheim, Arizona on this road trip, back-to-back games with San Jose and the Ducks. Um, and we'll get to that in a minute. But, you know, we, we Remus was completely unhinged before the show yesterday talking about the Ryan Hartman interview. I found I spent more time getting into the mud with idiots on Twitter over the last couple of days that I have in probably the last two years. Uh, emotions high. What what do you make about, you know, all that business? And in particular, this high stick to Cole Perfetti and what we learned yesterday <laughs> that Ryan Hartman said to him in the game. Yeah, I mean, the thing that stuck out to me the most was the Perfetti talking about how he was mic'd up and other the other team is supposed to know that he's mic'd up. And Ryan Hartman... I don't know, I guess like you, you write the number on the whiteboard and maybe he's just walking out. He's so fired up for the game. He wasn't even looking and didn't see that Mike 91 was written on the board uh, or he saw it and didn't care and just <laughs> said it anyways. I, I That's the most puzzling thing to me is he would either know or I guess he's just uh, he just didn't know and didn't see it and said it anyways, then got caught on camera. But the Jets have done a great job. They, they tweeted out, uh, I think it was, yesterday or the day before after Perfetti said his comments and they said you know the next episode of runway is coming January 16th with a little like wink emoji so I think a lot of people will be tuning in for that <laughs> yeah no kidding um uh listen Sarah and the team do a great job on that uh but Reem I would suggest that if that episode is coming up with everything from behind the scenes from the wild sweep going into the new year that is going to smash runway records for viewership at the Jets YouTube channel. 100%. This is all about marketing, uh, Hustler. Uh, maybe there's a conspiracy that Ryan Hartman's in on a new he was mic'd up and said on purpose, hey, I'm going to get you, and we'll see if uh, you know they put it out and how many views they get. I'm trying to find uh, how many the last episode of Runway did. Oh, the one from two months ago, 16K. Uh, that's pretty good. And there's certainly been a lot of hype for this upcoming episode, so I'll... I'll be tuning in. I want to see it. I'm, I'm sure they'll show it. They show it during intermission as well. Highlights from it. So uh, exciting stuff from a marketing perspective. I, I don't know, like, can we have someone on to say, like, hey, what are the ticket sales now for February 20? Because a lot of people hyped up for it. Well, I I, had, I see Gregory in the chat. He sent me a DM. He goes, I got my ticket for February 20th. I'm not missing that. And I think, listen, hopefully we can keep filling the building in again. Really great crowd last night. That was another yeah. thing that, you know, 
I mean, we need to get back to this point. It was kind of an ugly start for a few of those early weekday games, and you know, we won't get into the work that the organization needs to do. Hopefully that's going on right now, because as someone that's sold tickets for a long time, this is the time where I would be picking up the phone and talking to people to try to get them back mm-hmm. on board. Um, but four big games next week, which we'll get to. And then, uh, yeah, that February 20th game, I think, will be brisk sales uh, going over the next little bit. Hey, got to sh- uh, shout out to Nick at Topline. Big ups to Huss taking a run at Kipper and Bourne. I, I, my jaw was on the floor when I watched that. And that might have been, that was my unhinged moment off air like Reem had before the show started yesterday. Um, but Justin's a good dude. I mean, I've done work with him before back uh, when uh, he was doing stuff with Cool Vet. Uh, and I did say to him today on the show, make sure to ask Kipper if Hartman is obligated to fight someone bigger than Perfetti or Ehlers on February 20th when um, hopefully those guys and maybe some people outside of the market will actually watch the team that's been the best in the NHL for the last couple of years. Um, I don't want to hit NFL for a minute, but Connor, um, as far as this road trip goes, like, you know, it's funny when you look at the teams and the games that they did not win in the month of December. Um, it was a game where I thought they played very well against the San Jose Sharks, only scored one goal and whatever, you're going to lose once a month. Um, and then they had the extra time losses to Montreal and Chicago. Those are all non-playoff teams. They rolled Boston, beat Colorado, the Kings, um, obviously last night, Tampa. Um, we haven't seen a lot of flat performances from the Winnipeg Jets overall. But, I mean, what do you make of this opportunity, but also challenge for the Jets with a very tight schedule and a lot of hockey, but playing some of the... Uh, well, let's just say teams that have not been close to the Jets level this year. Yeah, I, I'm not too worried because when you look at those losses, you look at the the Chicago game, especially where Bedard scores two incredible goals. And then you look at the San Jose game, those games, the Jets thoroughly outplayed their opponents. And, you know, they hit a million posts in the Chicago game, San Jose game. They got goalied a little bit and. The Jets haven't got goalie too too often this year, but when they do, it's against like some of the worst teams in the NHL, which is weird. Uh, so I'm not too worried about how they're going to play in, over these next five games. You know, you get San Jose, Anaheim. Arizona is actually a playoff team, so that's a, a big game on the road as well. And then you come home for Columbus and Chicago. Five games the Jets should win. They're higher than all five teams in the standings. Uh, this is where they're at. Their expectations, these teams are going to be taking a run at the Jets because they know the Jets are good. They're a top five team in the league by by points percentage, points, whatever you want to look at. Um, but as for the opportunity that you mentioned, I think the power play is at the front of everyone's mind. You play these five bad teams in a row, got to get the power play going. Like this is the time. It can't keep costing you when you come back up against these good teams. Um, and if you look at the Chicago game where they lost the power play, cost them in that one. So they could even cost them a game against San Jose tomorrow night. You know, you never know. Uh, and I think that the power play has to get going. And then even last night, the top line, there was a, a bit of a line mix uh, with Shifley and Nemesikov switching on those top two lines. Maybe they go back to Ehlers, Shifley, Velarde, and maybe that line can get back on track. Um, they, they've gone pointless at least for the first three games and two periods before they switched last night and Ehlers scored the game winner. Um, but they they hadn't gotten any points. They weren't really contributing offensively. That line has gone cold, so maybe getting that line back on track. But that, the power play, taking care of the teams that you should take care of, 
um, all front of mind or should be at least for this three game road trip and the first two for the the homestand. Hey, hey Reem, uh, <clears throat> I mean, we've talked about this every day on the program, been pretty confident the way things have been rolling and the way that they've handled business night after night. I will admit the one time that I got a little freaked out was when I saw the stat going into Thursday's game. So the Jets last lost in regulation to the Sharks. Since then, the Sharks are 0-9-0 going oh, into man. tomorrow night's game. And the minute I heard that, that's when I'm like, oh, my God, I did not, I did not need to hear that. Um, but again, I think a lot of the things that, you know, we, we can't compare this year's team to teams three years ago, four years ago. I think they've earned the benefit of the doubt there. Wouldn't you agree, Reem? I think it's fun uh, to compare this year's team because they're still wearing the same jersey. Obviously, different team, uh, different players. You have Nemestikov, Niederreiter, Ayafalo, Vlardi. It's amazing. You know, the Jets have had so little turnover the last couple of years, but it seems like there's been a, a bit of a reset here heading to this season, at least with the forward group. And, yeah, it was Mike McIntyre tweeting out the Jets uh, since that 2-1 defeat, uh, yeah. San Jose over Winnipeg, uh, December 12th, Jets 7-0-2 outscoring their opponent 35-18. The Sharks 0-9 and 0. Uh they're outscored 41 to 14 goal differential not in their favor. That's what is a minus 27. Is that what that is? Yeah. Is that accurate? Yep. So it's some quick <laughs> some quick math here. Some quick math and yeah, they've they haven't been good. They've definitely surprised at times, but they've been on the wrong end of a lot of games. They're rebuilding. You'd think the Jets uh, should crush them like that lower team in the standings that they are, but hey, you never know. And even if they did lose, you know, when the Jets have lost these games to, you know, to what Montreal, they lost to Chicago, anyone, Chicago. Really. when they lost, they still look fine. They look like the same team. Just sometimes, yeah. some games, the puck goes in easy, some games, it doesn't. And I think you can look deeper and say, yeah, in those games, the power play, uh, you know, they had chances to win and they didn't. But overall, uh, where the majority of games are played five on five, this this team is very consistent. And look, sometimes you're not gonna not gonna win every game. They've certainly done a great job in December, just about doing that. But uh, we'll see how it goes. You, look, you can put in lead to the right process, and the results will follow. And they followed more often than not. Well, and, and, and Connor, I mean, this right now is, I mean, when I mentioned that opportunity, I mean, to take advantage of this schedule, I mean, to to stack up these wins, to continue playing the, the, that they've, the way that they've been playing, like, I don't think it's been lost on anyone that's been paying attention to the out-of-town scoreboard for the past three weeks. The Jets have had some big-time games against big-time opponents, have won those games. And then we've looked and, you know, Dallas and maybe especially Colorado has had sort of softer schedule and good on them for getting it done. Um, but this is a chance for them to take a real run at first place. And, uh, you know, maybe depending on the schedule and what their opponents or what their division rivals have coming up, um, the opportunity to, you know, continue this run in games that they're very much capable of winning. Um and establish themselves as the team to beat in the central division. Yeah. Like you said, with Colorado, I mean, it looks, it seems like every time you're scrolling Twitter and you see the abs, they're in like turmoil and they just lost a terrible game. And there's a new quote from the the locker room where one player is calling out another, but then you look at the standings at the end of the night, there they are top five in the NHL, still number one in the central division. I know the jets have two games in hand on them. Um, and here you go. Your next two games are San Jose and Anaheim. 
back to back. So like you said, they have a chance to eat. Like you, you got to think sweep with this next five games. You don't want to get ahead of yourself. Obviously you take it one game at a time if you're one of the players, but we're not one of the players. That's not what we're here to do. Um, <laughs> let's, let's talk about this five game stretch. It's five teams below them in the standings. The Jets are are probably undoubtedly the hottest team in the NHL right now, dating back to December 1st. Um, Hell, these are November five games. 4th. Yeah, these are five games you should win. Like you, you should be able to put up more than three goals against all five of these teams. And we know the Jets aren't allowing more than three. Like they haven't allowed it since November 2nd, right? Like this, these are five games you should win. Again, you don't want to get ahead of yourself um, and look at five games at once. But five games blow them in the standings. The Jets are rolling right now. It all starts tomorrow with San Jose, and that stat does scare me. But, yeah, why not? Why not hey, roll the table? Do either of you guys know this answer? And if not, maybe somebody in the chat does. Um, you know, they said that last night with the 26th game in a row of three goals or less was the third longest streak in the expansion era since 1967. <laughs> do we know what number one and two on that list? I mean, uh, like, is there uh, is, is there a... Uh, um, a, a high watermark that um, we can kind of point to and see if the team can keep rolling and break the record. Reem, did you catch that at all? Or So I'm responding to uh, people in the chat here. The, what break which record? About the, uh, which one? Sorry, I was not. I was, okay. People are talking three to me goal. in the chat. Okay, the three goal. What? Mm-hmm. How do you? <laughs> Look. Anyways, my, Mike yeah. was the one in the scrum that said that. Um, and I don't know where he got that from. Okay. But the maybe. number of the consecutive games lo- allowing three oh, or less. 35. 35, everyone's saying. In, uh, no, in that's okay. 35 is in the modern era. Yeah, like since 67, right? Yeah, yeah. The other one, the one after that was 44 from the Bruins in 28 29. Does that count? No. 1928? No, definitely not. 1928? No. No, no. no. We're <laughs> talking about a period of time. The modern era of <laughs> hockey, i.e. since the Leafs last won okay. the Stanley Cup. <laughs> Here we are. <laughs> so, yeah, the Jets at 26. Here it is. There are 26 games. Uh, the St. Louis Blues in 2011-12 had 27. And Minnesota Wild in 14-15 had 35 straight. Yeah, the, and then there's a bunch of teams. You know, the Red Wings, 52-53. But, yes, uh, 35 is a record for... Modern and all time is 44 games from the 28-29 Bruin. All right. Okay. So we've got the we've got the number 30 uh 26 right now. Make it 27 tomorrow against the San Jose Sharks and then uh and then keep it rolling. How do you guys think the goalies will uh, shake out this uh this trip? I mean, LB played Sunday, Hellebuck played to uh, played last night. I guess probably Heli San Jose. LB on the back-to-back in Anaheim, and then Connor back against the uh, against the Coyotes, and then I wouldn't be surprised if Brassois actually got the game against Columbus, um, because again, like there's a lot of hockey right now. Um, it's not until two weeks from now that the Jets actually see two days between games. Then they have the Islander game, and then three days off uh, before they hit the road again. Yeah, I agree with with your layout there. I don't know about LB in the Columbus game, but I think Hellbuck's a lock for the Chicago game, for the the uh, Saturday Philly game that I'm blocking with my head here, but that one right there. Um, and then the <laughs> Islanders game too. They're, they're a playoff team, so I think Hellebuck gets that start as well. 
Um, I think I think as long as you pencil in Hellebuck for Arizona, Philly, New York, the rest uh, can either be either or. Because again, the Jets' defensive structure is so good, it doesn't even really matter who's in net right now. Um, that they against a team like Columbus, Bursois would be just fine, and they would feel just fine playing him. Okay, one more um, for the uh, for the round table before we quickly hit NFL on these lines because we do have to get the pot up. Um, I brought this up to Remus earlier. Tomorrow we're going to find out the All-Stars from all 32 teams, one player per team. Um, so if we're just taking one, and again, often numbers will dictate, I mean, if your goalie's been your best player, but there's five other goalies ahead of them, you know, they might pick a different player. I have a hard time imagining that Connor Hellebuck isn't the name that we hear tomorrow. Um, how likely do you think that is? And if it's not Connor Hellebuck, who would be the guy? I think it's got to be Hellebuck. And if it's not Hellebuck, I'd go Josh Morrissey. I mean, he's following up last year just like exactly the same in terms of numbers. He's near a point of game. And he's kind of flying under the radar. Last year, there's this whole Josh Norrissey movement, and he ended up fifth, I think it was, in Norris trophy voting. But this year, it just kind of seems like Everyone's like, yeah, the Jets' defensive structure is great, and uh, and they're winning a ton of games, and it's Hellebuck and this trade, and Shifley's playing great, but no one mentions Morrissey. He's having an equally impressive season, and him being an all-star wouldn't be a shock to me at all. But like you said, I don't know how you leave off Connor Hellebuck. I mean, the stats he put together in December, he's got his own point streak going, at 8-0-2 in his last 10 starts. Like, you just can't really deny that as a goaltender. First in the league and goals saved above expected. Um, he's up there. I'm sure I haven't checked the rankings, but he's up there. I'm sure in save percentage goals against average wins, um, all those stats. And, uh, there's, I know there's good goalies in the central, like Georgiev, I think was the first goalie to hit 20 wins in the NHL last night. Uh, I know Jake Ottinger's good, but you can't deny what Connor Halbuck's doing right now. And I'd be shocked if it wasn't him named tomorrow night. Yeah, I, I I'm with For you sure. on that. And, and I, and I see a lot of 55s in chat, <clears throat> I I, I kind of think it's going to be like Shifley um, will be considered and maybe it, again, the other 12 guys are going to be picked on voting. So I think it is going to be incumbent of everybody in the chat and all the podcast listeners to get out there and vote for the Jets. Um, I think Shifley is challenged by the fact that, you know, he's a point of game player, which is, which is great and probably all-star worthy. Um there's a lot of competition in and around that. And I think what the Jets are being known for right now is their defensive acumen. Now, I'll sit here and tell anyone that asks me that Mark Scheifele's been better this year than he's been at any point dating back to 17-18. I think you could argue that the way he's playing defensively makes him a more effective and has helped the team win more. I'm not sure if that gets someone to the All-Star game. Although, Reem, I think there would be something in some ways poetic about poetic, maybe that's a bad word to use it, but to have Hellebuck as the guy that is named Morrissey voted in and, you know, focusing on the defense, the Jets all-stars are two defensive players when in reality, every single forward for the Winnipeg Jets and the way they're playing might be the biggest reason why the Jets are having the defensive results that they are. Yeah. It's amazing watching the Jets forwards. It seems like every guy, except for maybe a couple have played on just about every line, all the lines playing the same. Uh, you know, the top line hasn't been going the last couple of games. Oh, who steps up uh, point per game? Dominic 
Tonanato, uh, Morgan Barron on a point streak, Vlad Nemestikov. And you couldn't say that about last year's teams. If the top guys weren't scoring, uh, the team wasn't winning because they weren't get scoring three goals. Listen to the stat. When they score four or more goals this year, 16-0. and 0. And when, I mean, that's pretty easy math when you've given up three or less. <laughs> it's pretty easy math when you've given up three or less in the last 26 games. Uh, the all-star format, it's changed. This year was kind of tough to get multiple all-stars from a team. One, because you have one from every team. And two, they had this divisional format. So if you were in a division that was stacked with forwards, like the Central was when your Chicago had so many guys, it would be really hard for the Jets to get a forward. Like when Blake Wheeler had so many great seasons, he couldn't get in. And they would default to like Bufflin or Hellebuck or, you know, I believe Shafley was in as as well one year. Um, Shafley's a point-per-game player. But for me, he's, you know, because of the position he plays center, you know, he's got third, just strictly points, 36 points in 36 games. That's 18th among centers or players listed at center NHL.com. Uh, uh, so I think it's tough for him. So I wouldn't want to say Shafley to argue the point. I think Hellbuck is a lock. He's 100% in. And Morrissey will probably be the other one. But you can certainly make an argument for Shafley. And they are having four teams of three on three. But it is a draft this year, and you know they have captains. It's going to be all fun. They're going to be all buddy buddy, and uh, it'll be. Hellebuck yeah. should be a captain. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they're going to have goal. I don't know how it works for goalies. Is a goalie? He would be hilarious if he was a captain. Like he, he just his, him being exposed to people with his sort of quirkiness and character, mm-hmm. like. I just, I'm just imagining him being at the podium, making his picks and stuff like that would be absolute great entertainment. Um, and, and I did see a quote uh, where I think it was, was it SK? I want them not to pick Helly for the All-Star game and piss him off so he gets even more motivated <laughs> if that's possible. Hey, listen, you could probably use the time off too. Um, but I'll tell you what, the way Loren Brassois is playing, I mean, I don't think they'll have any question going to LB, um, certainly more than we saw in the second half of the season. All right, we're going to get to the cool bet lines here in a minute, but um, uh, because we do have to get this pot up. But, um, Connor, let me hit this with you right now. Um, all is good back in Ninerland after the uh, Christmas Day bump in the road against the Ravens. Got the win. The buy is secured. Guys will be rested. Um, they are clearly the favorite right now to make it to the Super Bowl, minus 125, a cool bet to win the NFC. What NFC team scares you the most? Like, when you look at the list of contenders of the teams that'll be there, um, is there one team you would either prefer not to play or you just think, listen, I think we all agree the Niners should get there, um, but is there one as someone that follows the team closely that you uh, maybe a little less confident against than the others? I mean, I think... Outside of Dallas, no. Like Dallas, I said it a few weeks ago, like they're a different team at home. And like you said, the Niners just wrapped up the one seed. So the Niners will be the home team no matter who they play, which obviously gives me the confidence that they'll beat whoever they play. But the Rams are weirdly hot right now as well. Like if they go on some sort of Lynn Sanity run um, into the into, into San Francisco for the NFC Championship, that would be kind of crazy. Um, but yeah. That was that was nice. The Jets were playing the Wild, and I wasn't really paying attention to anything because the Niners were playing the Commanders, whatever. Um, and then I flip over and I see the Cardinals beating the Eagles, and I was like, "Wait, 
this means that the Niners are, would lock up the one seed. So I, I became a huge Cardinals fan for about 15 minutes, and then Kyler Murray um, pulled it out. I know uh, Jeff Kabilis in the chat is, is a big Cardinals fan, and he was he was pretty stoked about that win. I just want to say thank you. Now the Niners can they can rest Week 18. They got the bye. They got the they got the one seed. And I, I'm not worried about anything until we go to the Super Bowl, honestly. <laughs> oh, dude, and speaking of the Cardinals and Kabilis, I said this yesterday. I'm not sure if you were here, you missed it. But one of the great troll moves of all time was yes. Kyler Murray showing up in Philly to the link wearing a Sidney Crosby Penguins jersey yes. and then winning. I mean, that was uh that was awesome. You know, Reem, I, I will admit this, and I've been out on Detroit at times this year. There's something about the Lions. And just how some would say reckless, but how aggressive that Dan Campbell is that makes me think the Lions actually might be the most dangerous team. It certainly isn't the Eagles. And we've seen what happens to Dallas on the road. I don't have a lot of confidence in them. To me, it might be a team a little further down. Man, they can run the ball. They do have playmakers. And Campbell's going to go for it. You uh, you know that. But how how good would this be in the playoffs? I think there's a very good chance we get a Detroit Rams game, which with the Stafford and Jared Goff would be absolutely juicy. And that would be in Detroit where for the first time ever, the Lions are the favorite. But I'll tell you what, if the top three seeds win in the AFC and the Browns win probably as favorites on the road against whoever wins the AFC South. How good will Joe Flacco and the Cleveland Browns be going to Baltimore in the playoffs? Are you kidding oh. me? That, oh. Now maybe now maybe we should believe the league is scripted. Juicy, yeah. juicy. I mean, yeah, Cleveland's going to be resting just about everyone this week, I believe. Uh, I think Ram, the Rams are scary, man. If they went into Detroit in a dome, uh, Detroit's got this leaky pass defense. Matt Stafford's coming on hot Cooper Cups. Healthy, he's slinging the ball. Really well. I would not want to face the Rams uh, lower down. Bucks, I don't buy them. Seahawks, nah. Packers, they've been interesting. We'll see if they can get in. Uh, I think it's shaping up to be a Baltimore 49ers. Lamar Jackson, I think he's got the MVP locked up after the last two weeks. Uh, Cleveland's got this scary defense. Can they shut down Lamar? And it would be interesting if Flacco could continue throwing for 300 yards against the Ravens who's you know they shut down the 49ers and shut down the Dolphins the last two weeks it's looking to me like the Ravens would just because they beat San Francisco would be the big favorite to win the Super Bowl and be a great story for Lamar Jackson who you know they've came into the playoffs before as favorites I remember they got upset by the Titans a couple years ago that was a big upset they've had a number of disappointments uh, it seems like the path has been opened uh, because the Chiefs, us, they've sputtered, and Buffalo needs to Chiefs win to get in after we questioned like a month ago, saying, oh, can they, they have to run the table. Can they do this? They're playing some tough teams, and uh, they've won. They just need to win one more, and uh, they'll be in. They could be interesting in the playoffs as well. Well, and, and, and here's the, uh, an amazing um, – now, I would love to see the Jags lose because that would mean the winner of Saturday night's uh, Texans-Colts game would be winning the division, and I do have a future on the Texans to win the division, so that's a little selfish of me. But there is a scenario, probably a likely scenario, if the favorites win, that that Sunday night game between Buffalo and Miami will be, if the Bills win 
They're AFC East champs. They get the two seed. If they lose, they're out. And, I mean, you can't have better stakes. Bill's right now a three-point favorite right now. And, uh, well, that, that must-see TV on uh, on uh, Sunday night. But the Saturday night game between the Colts and Texans is going to be a win and in basically, playoff game as well. Um, I I did see the knee of KFC taking a shot at the Chiefs. Hey, doubt the Chiefs at your at your peril. That's just all I'm saying. They kind of got it together a little bit more last week. The defense is better than any defense in the Mahomes era. A couple of guys can step up and catch a couple passes. I, I wouldn't want to go up against them that much. I'll I'll, I'll say. And Lamar doesn't have a great playoff history as well. So uh, AFC wide open. But why not question of the day for not Autocorp for all of you? NFC, who's the biggest threat to the Niners? Put us into the chat. I am quite interested in what people have to say about that. Um, you know, we'll kind of get into the lines for the game over the games overall on the weekend in the lock shop on Friday. And we will certainly, um, you know, discuss it. Uh, when we uh, when we get to uh, Friday's um, cool bet lines as well, uh, slow night tonight though in the National Hockey League for uh, the fellows Devils in Washington to take on the Caps. The Caps plus one forty eight home dogs after playing last night, and the Leafs minus one ninety eight favorites against the Anaheim Ducks plus one sixty six. You know, uh, uh, Connor, considering the Le- like the Leafs have this lofty spot in the standings. Um, they had a very impressive win last night, shutting out the Kings on the road. They've only got 11 regulation wins, though. I mean, this has all the makings of like a 4-3 shootout win for the Leafs. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the Leafs, like, yeah, like you said, regulation wins have not been uh, their forte. And they, they seem to, like, they're fine. Like you said, they're they're in a playoff spot. They, they're, like, they're not uh, the Oilers um, who are struggle, who struggled to start the year. Um, and are fighting to get back in, but yeah, they got they got a weird thing going on there where they just can't close out games in regulation. But yeah, that was a I, I tuned into a bit of that game last night where they beat the Kings. That was an impressive win for them. LA is weird at home, man. They're, they're really really good on the road, and then they get home and they have some problems. But um, yeah, <laughs> uh, Toronto's weird in terms of regulation wins. Well, Remo, I know you're a guy that watches quite a bit of West Coast hockey in the Kings games. I have to admit, I mean, I know the Kings went on that record-breaking run. What did they win, their first 11 on the road or something like that of the season? Mm. Like, I'm not sure at the end of the year when we break down their 41 games on the road, they'll have this 11-game winning streak, and then you look at the other 30, and it probably is more like about 500 or a normal record. But, hey, all those games at the beginning of the season count, and that's a big reason why the Kings are where they are right now. Yeah, I follow a lot of Dennis Bernstein, uh, the fourth period who comes on with us. He said, look, the Kings are 29-5, and five, but in their last 11, they're 4-5-2. Uh, and two. The offense um, you know, hasn't really been there, wasn't there last night. And, uh, you know, he said eight straight games without a goal from the defense. You hear Rick Bonus talk about how much – offense they're getting from the defense and i think it's been definitely been a bit of a struggle um uh, for the la lately and they did get off to that hot start you're right that still counts but a lot of it is how are you playing when the playoffs begins and we'll see if la can pick it up i wonder if, you know goaltending was so good for them early but you have what ham talbot and phoenix copley can they get it done for an 82 games and 
something we've talked about is like how many teams would love to have the stability of Connor Hellebuck in goal right now. A lot of teams out there with goaltending problems. Uh, speaking of the Leafs, that's certainly one of them. And they're a team that, you know, historically, if you ask any Leafs fan, oh, you know, they're playing Columbus, they're playing whatever team, and they're huge, you know, minus 200 favorites or something, and they lay an egg. We'll see what they do tonight as a back-to-back uh, against Anaheim. Uh, only, yeah, two games on the schedule. I might take tonight off, Huston. I don't know, catch up on some other some other no, stuff here. You know what? We uh, let's fire up the power washers. Oh, the power yeah, power the power <laughs> Yeah, so hi yeah, Hustler and I got Xbox for uh Christmas on Black Friday and I told him I've been playing a lot of power wash simulator. You should join me. We should play together. We can wash that backyard. It's so big. There's only so much power washing I can do. Let me pull up a video of of this game here. It's it's wild. It's mesmerizing at times. I oh, also goodness. I also downloaded uh, Forza Five. Yeah, uh, I should basically just go and get NHL. I haven't done that yet, and I'm also looking forward to trying Goat Simulator Three. <sighs> I'm not entirely sure about how you how it works, but I watched the trailer. It looks pretty bizarre, so I'm in it. If you, if you have any other great like, are uh, X, you a goat X, in the goat simulator? Like, yeah. what's the concept? Yeah. You are the goat. Okay. Yeah, you are. You are a goat with a bunch of other <laughs> okay. goats, and um, it's like wow. a Sim City sort of thing for. Um... Oh, my daughter loved Goat oh, Sim. All right. Well, we'll see I, it. I played Goat Simulator with my son. He liked it. We, we ran around. You go on like trampolines and stuff. Uh, yeah, and this is some video of power. This is the backyard one where you have to. Power wash the backyards. So he's got a, there's a lot of work that needs to be done. You get different sized nozzles, Hus. It's so relaxing. It's it's pretty fun. The chat. This, the is, chat this is a dad's is, dream right here. The, the chat is going. Yeah, exactly. You know, this is like for all youngsters. This is what it's going to be like in 20 years when you got your own yard. You could just get out there and wash whatever you want. I live in a building. I don't have that opportunity, so we do it virtually. And Remus and I are there going to be yeah. do some power, some power washing simulator. Uh, I've seen some love for the goat simulator, so yeah. I'll uh, I will I'll, I'll come back with a report on that um, as well. And okay, Joey, I love playing Farming Simulator 2022. I have noticed that. I've looked at it many times in the Steam store. And, you know, <laughs> you know, coming from an agricultural area in Manitoba, being from the city, I could probably learn a lot about farming through that. So, um, sure. I might be I might be trying uh trying that. That's just a shame about an Xbox. I've been an Xbox guy Oh, I think the controllers are way better than the PlayStation. That's actually when it came down to it, like 10, 15 years ago, why I ended up siding with the Xbox was all about the controller. Didn't like the PS uh, controller very much. And um, anyway, the great thing is now uh, it's, uh, Remus, these are, are like, if, if someone has a PS5 and we have Xbox S, we can play NHL against each other, right? Yeah, most games are becoming to be cross-play. I mean, what system you play is becoming more but and hockey more. Is. Hockey is. If we play yes. it on a team, ESHL, yeah, well, you could play anyone. So I've been telling Connor we got to get a game in at some point, Team WST yeah. and EASHL, but I haven't exactly. Uh, I'll be the coach. I, I suck. I, 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 I like to. one-on-ones. I like just playing 
you know, with my team against your team and see if I can hang out. We will have a match, you know, and this is Remus already has built in excuses. Oh, I usually just play ESHL. It, it, the line will be big, but I think <laughs> I can cover it. Um, I'll do and, the play by play for the, um, for the game. The Masters golf from EA Sports. I am interested. Yeah, T Will, exactly correct as usual. Uh, Xbox controller way better than the PS controller. Um, and yes, as far as the golf games go, the game that I've played the most by far in the last few years has been PGA 2K23, before it was 2K21, before it was the golf club. I am intrigued about the the, uh, the EA Sports one, although I was burned so badly by the Rory McIlroy that oh, basically so ended bad. the franchise. Yeah, um, I have waited on that. But if we do get some good res- good reports on that, we may have to pick that up as well. Um, hey, Connor, great stuff as always. Um, keep it up. And uh, as I say, uh, everyone will be looking forward to Monday morning to uh, oh, yeah. get into the new week with Jets this week. And uh, we'll look forward to having you back on soon. Keep uh, keep it going, buddy. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, sorry, everyone, for not telling you about that earlier. But that video will be ready Sunday no, night. I, but I, the... thought the game, I thought the game started at like nine, so you'd be finishing oh, it at okay, like three okay. a.m. or something. But no, I no. don't care. I'll be, I'll be up. And one thing we didn't mention, I know Connor, you were in there when Bonus made the Seinfeld. Did you get the Seinfeld yes. reference? You're a bit younger than us. Were you familiar with uh, the barbershop episode? So no, but my dad is a huge Seinfeld fan. Um, so I, I came home and like as soon as I said it, his like eyes lit up. Um, yeah, but. No, I, I didn't get it, but the, the media room was just like crying laughing. Everyone was, it was great. It was great. We need to get comment from Libel on that because he is the biggest Seinfeld yeah. guy. He can well, pretty much yeah, like, keep, recite sorry. all the, uh, all the uh, episodes. Well, it was one year ago uh, I had Libel on. I think you were away, and Libel cursed the Jets. He didn't believe it. they were like in a similar spot in your first, and he didn't <laughs> believe they were for real. So I'm actually <laughs> curious what Libel, it's like deja vu what Libel thinks of this year's team. Yeah, uh-huh. but let's let's remember. Libel came back. He he asked to come on to bless the Jets this he season. Them. And, yeah, and look at what's happening. So, listen, the rabbi is in the good books right now, um, and I can tell you that uh, he isn't in it now. Tristan Rivers' music is correct. School of this just play one on one NHL or well, ninety four with manual goalies. That's the height of hockey gaming. The knee, the knee of KFC taking another run at me, saying, well, listen, I kind of admit I'm not in his league in hockey. For crying out loud, he was a Twitch streamer before we started doing yeah. this. That's sort of almost the way we got into doing this video-wise. Um, but don't count out an old head with some skills on the sticks. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see how that goes. Anyways, big thanks to Connor for jumping on today. Um, we should get out, though. This was, oh, my God, this is one of our longest shows. We got to get this podcast up right now for people on the way home. Um, let me shout out our friends at Aikens Lake, though. Uh, I'm looking forward to uh, hopefully getting back there at some point this summer. Check out AikensLake.com for uh, everything you need to know about the Aikens experience and an unbelievable world-class fly-in fishing destination where you can be on the water in just a couple hours from the city of Winnipeg. Um, and big thanks to Coolbet as well. As I say, not a ton to wager on tonight. There are two games in the NHL, uh, but check out the lock shop tomorrow at noon. And if you haven't played a Coolbet before, use the promo code WST for a 100% bonus on your first deposit up to 200 bucks. Uh, great turnout today. Hit that thumbs up button if you haven't already on your way up. 
out. Um, big thanks to JP VJ, Murata Tash, Connor for jumping on, Remo for killing it as always, and all of you. Um, we got a game day tomorrow. Jets and Sharks. A little revenge, maybe, on the last team to beat the Winnipeg Jets in regulation. We'll break it all down tomorrow as the Jets hit the road for the Dads and Mentors trip. And uh, three games in four nights beginning tomorrow in the Shark Tank. Thanks to all the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day. Have yourself an awesome night. We'll see you tomorrow at 1 right here on WST. Oh, my God. Shut it down. Let's go home. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.